And once again, you are listening to WTF in Vanadil. I'm the leader of Asura, Spicy Ryan, and my salsa makes all the pretty girls want to dance and take off their underpants. Here once again with... Just the Fox Danger. Oh, just? Well, I don't have, you know, as flamboyant to titles and or your own musical interlude. But yeah, your salsa. Don't th- my salsa. Your salsa. My salsa, 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 salsa. All right, man. Don't sell yourself short, Fox. Oh, okay. And today we are hoping to talk about job optimization and strategy, as in how to do a strategy and how to do a job, as in none of those things. Yeah, because uh, the last thing I want you guys to think is that I actually just roll up to all content and immediately crush it. It's almost like there has to be some sort of like formulative practice that goes into making it work. It's almost like we failed probably the last 10 embos as we changed our <laughs> V15 strategy again and again. And it's getting there. It's getting there. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of compromises that I've had to make towards the way the strategy is working and stuff. But that's just, you know, part of the overall thing when we go to talk about how that all actually works. Um, it's not just, you know, finding stuff online and calling it your strategy sometimes. Like sometimes you actually have to kind of work your way through it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I thought I could just copy what they do in the video. You you can. The, see, the, the main problem that I have with a lot of videos is that it's only shown from a single perspective. Yes. So you can't really see the nuances of what everyone else is doing around you. In fact, a lot of times, especially on like a lot of the Embos videos, it actually looks like nobody's doing anything. They're just standing around watching someone kill something. And that's not actually true. Like there's a lot of really subtle stuff that's going on and potentially it could be even off camera too, just depending on where the angle is. That would be my problem with things like, um, I think YouTube took it down because of my shitty music and I could just remove the music and have it back. But my album and video as RuneFencer DD slash off tank which was actually very nice many years ago, back when Albumin was not something you could face roll as easy. I mean, it's, it's a big problem for people still, and especially for melee setups, you still have to get the little nuances correct, which is the problem with uh, just seeing a rune fencer spinning around with Lionheart versus not seeing the back line and the bards and you know, everything else going on there. Here's the key to Albumin, guys. Star patterns are your friend. Oh, if you man. make a star pattern... Everyone stays alive. It's really strange. That was the thing I had to yell at people for all the time because yeah. there'd be a blue mage, some black mage for entomb and everything, meleeing, and there'd be the paladin and everything. And just can you not in a dragoon? Can you not stand? Dragoon's really good on. Um, <laughs> can you not stand next to each other? Not even shoulder to shoulder. Just just somewhere away. My favorite is when I was on like Rune Fencer or something, and one of the DDs who would pull hate like would run behind me like I was a fucking paladin. <laughs> can you cover me dead? Yeah. It's like no, man. I do this to the paladin all the time. You're the same thing, right? I also watch uh, summoners fail to conduit albumin a lot because they also refuse to do the starring yeah. out. Um, yeah. You can actually kill albumin with a lot less summoners um, if you plan on just conduiting it, as long as like they're not all getting countered to death. Well, you see, the problem is when you have blocked. when you have three mule slash dual box whatever the hell's and you're using send and they're all standing in the same spot with your roll core it's really hard to move them when they're all following the same pattern in the landscape when they engage with their avatar it's true it's very difficult it's almost like you have to take manual control of all of them and just fan them out yourself it's tough. but who can be bothered to do that right it's well you can't use follow then it's true it's too much <laughs> imagine them just warping out and leaving all of their dudes you, you would have to use alt tab I make a lot of fun of this, but I mean, this is like the the basic sort of like strategy that you want to look at. Like this isn't even like group composition or anything like this is just understanding like how the mob works, 
And what's a basic approach to dealing with a mob? Like if you're dealing with a monk, which is what we're talking about when it comes to Albumin, we don't want, you know, our DDs to get guarded or countered. I mean, the rest of the awful shit is going to happen. And that's going to be how your party composition helps you get through it. Like if you're using a DD setup and you have a white mage who's competent, you should be able to get a lot of those debuffs off or prevent them altogether. But as a DD yourself, you still also need to understand what counter and guard does. And Albumin will do that to you. You know, we're getting ahead of ourselves here, Fox. We need to respect the listener's time and not give up the uh, goods so easily. So how you doing, Fox? Oh, man, I did, did just start going deep, didn't I? Uh, I'm actually doing pretty good. Um, I, uh, I went out and tried to experience some, some pug action today on, uh, on Rune Fencer. I don't get to play Rune Fencer very often, so it felt like a treat. And I did some Ambuscade, and I got to learn all about Mercurial Strike and how it will just drop me regardless of how good I am, so... And that was what I was saying last time, too, based on me just reading random things online. I came across what sounds very plausible. Yeah, I I wish I could, like, nail it down. I would like it to go from plausible to just actually tested, you know? Because I'm not, like, super convinced on anything that I've read or or witnessed because it just just seems so strange in how it works. I figured being Mercurial, it's, like, the same one from the... uh, What is his name? In Abyssia Lothane... Um, Briarius. Ha, I got it. <laughs> Whoa. You I, I figure it's the same as Briarius, where it has a chance of being one of several things. And I think that you can increase the damage it does by weapon skilling after his skill chain goes off before Mercurial, but it still will do a random range of things potentially that's more dangerous when you feed it after weapon, you know, doing damage after yeah. his skill chain's ended before it. Yeah, and, and that seems like the most plausible thing to me also um, in how it works. But I still want to try some things with PDIF and Paladin to see if there's also a PDIF check involved. Um, but I mean, that that's just is what it is. That's just me playing the game normally, though, like to answer your question. Um, other than that, just been doing Odyssey uh, with you guys. Uh, we changed over and started doing some melee strats recently instead of some cruel joke strats. And, and that's really just mostly for a change of pace. Well, it's we're very mediocre. If we were a better group uh, for melee, we could do noticeably better than our cruel joke but we're still doing a little better than our cruel joke without you know too many missteps or mishaps uh compared to even that i think it's as long as we because we're more conservative in how we play i've noticed which is cool because i also am uh i'm usually the level-headed one because sometimes if i feel the group is is kind of like meh i'll go a little more super aggressive and die yeah. <laughs> or sometimes I just do it. It depends. I have a moment where I'll just do it anyway. But otherwise, when I've been in groups where everyone is just going balls deep, because I've been in the other farm I did the other day was almost 10k points of a melee burn, and I was on blue. Meleeing, of course. Uh, not cool joking. But I was the conservative one where I found myself using White Wind and Magic Fruit because people were getting down to like 100, 200 HP, or everyone was in like orange or another AOE and they'd be dead from one of the NMs or something. So I found myself being more conservative. I knew I was never going to win the parse anyway, but we still made about 10k. So it was, I fit that more conservative play style. Hey man, but now you can win the parse, especially when I go Dark Knight. <laughs> You're Dark Knight. So that's another thing too, is uh, people had asked me a lot recently about like Dark, Dark Knight stuff. I, I mean, big quotes around recently, right? But I, I oh, don't come think up over the past. happen for me, man. I think I think there's been two or three people, and at least three occasions, there was someone has asked, or even maybe even emailed. I think we got one of the emails asked about a Dark Knight yeah. episode. 
um, <laughs> we're going to do a Dark Knight episode. And it's a good job and it's fun. And one of the fun, because I think what people like about you in particular, Fox, besides being uh, better than I, is that you <laughs> do these, uh, I don't want to say jank ass things, but. They are pretty jank, though. These things where you'll be like, you know what you can do with this job? And I'll be like, oh my god, cat blocker, you know, is this something silly? Um, like, with the ninja thing, you were talking about all these different things that people don't ever, t- like, they're not mysteries. Most of them are not. I mean, sometimes you'll have a, a nifty thing that people don't do when they're, like, like people know about Blade Chi and stuff like that, but there's, like, everything combined together is forms this big stew of, stew of alphabet soup of, wow. Fox really has all this down. I never thought about any of these things, and everyone really talks about it. So I think people like your your unique perspective. I think I could have just said that and not said all those words. That's fair. Like I, so what what I'll say about Dark Knight though is it, it kind of goes back to what we were saying about being able to face roll content, and then like somebody got mad about that, <laughs> and then uh, you know comparing it to like new content that we obviously just can't, can't just like roll in and face roll. You know, no matter how cool you think you are, you're you're not really doing that. Um, and that's the, my dark Knight would have done great in wave three. Um, in fact, it was fantastic for wave two and wave three farm, that sort of thing. Um, the problem is, is it's not fantastic anymore. Like it doesn't feel fantastic when I'm in odyssey farms and it did not feel fantastic when I tried it on embos and I was doing all the same stuff that I did before. All these are, what's that? All these are super sensitive in odyssey to the buffs they receive for NMs. Like not having certain buffs make your DD go from those wave three feelings down to something that's not wave three like you know right can't get it up <laughs> exactly <laughs> that's that's a pretty good way of putting it actually but that's kind of what i wanted to point out though because it really illustrates the point that we had we had spoke on before about you know the difference between talking about face rolling old content and you know what makes lol dynamis lol dynamis and this stuff much harder and i mean that's where you can clearly see the line is where you see a job performing perfectly fine before but it's not perform- performing perfectly fine after when you're doing and it has access to arguably mage. much better gear what's that when you're doing much worse than the blue mage you know there's a problem i mean yeah that that is something that should cause a red flag i mean if you're a class that is specifically labeled as a heavy dps and your heavy dps doesn't get there I mean, sometimes at the end of the day, I could just be bad, too. I mean, you never know, man. Well, no, because when things happen in terms of why am I not doing this damage or anything, you're usually the first one in the group to say, okay, I don't, I'm not meeting PDF enough at a certain extent. And like you, you know the napkin math to attach to that, and you can reason very quickly to be like, okay, we need to throw something else at the sea if that'll reach us to the point we need to get. And you do that regularly, so it's not like you just go, Man, why are my weapon skills not hitting harder, man? I don't get it. It was in the video, you know, but. Yeah, well, there's always a reason. And I mean, <laughs> you have to fail and assess it, I guess. But I guess I guess we're like still already going down that road pretty hard, aren't we? Like, how are you doing, man? Like, before we go too deep, right? <laughs> uh, Don't worry. We haven't even touched on the, the Discord last night. Yeah, but man, we were just like raring and ready to go with this whole optimization thing. The video. No. <laughs> no. I'm really making fun of no particular person in general when I say that too. Just I have this image in my mind of people who send tells. No one in particular, again, just, you know, in your video that I saw this or something, you know, it's just I have that image in my mind that people are just kind of like figuring it out by trying to imitate. And it's just I always think that's hilarious to me because I'm very uh, unkind. So uh, how am I? Um, hmm. 
I haven't done anything on game because now that the honeymoon's over, I went right back into trying to catch up at work and uh oh, I've, yeah i've had no free time to do anything i came home tonight carrot made a very nice dinner that i posted in the the uh discord and the what the food channel i did not expect are those, they're jalapeno are those meatballs in the middle no, no in the, no, in the no, middle though she, she bought some uh spicy italian sausage or something Oh, okay. Because okay. I don't ever buy meat pretty much. So she goes and buys the meat and I go, well, that, that's why I asked about it. Like you, you said jalapenos though. Like I, I can't imagine the combination of jalapenos and spicy. It was Italian good. Meat. Yeah, it was good. Well, they complement each other, the jalapeno and the uh, Italian sausage. So uh, you wouldn't think, would. well, because sausage, uh, I don't know about where you are, but where I'm at, uh, sausage, peppers, onions on like a roll is like a local I'm going to say delicacy, but it's a very popular kind of item. Be like, oh, I got to get the sausage, peppers, onions on a roll. You know, it's, it's kind of a thing, like chicken palm. Like those, those are the two kind of like we're fake Italians and by heritage kind of local state thing because it's the number one heritage in the state. So, uh, it, it, I mean, there's also large Hungarian, Polish, um, Portuguese up in Elizabeth. You know, there's a lot of different communities, Russian, fucking Russian. But uh, <laughs> sausage, peppers, onions has uh, seeped and pervade its way into the the the, the state. Nonetheless, um, following in that vein, jalapenos, especially a stuffed jalapeno with some like cheese on it that's been baked, and it's it's very it complements it very well. The sauce works with it, just tomato sauce, and uh, it just it worked very well. It sounds legit. Like I'm all about stuffed popper or stuffed jalapenos, like in popper form too. Obviously, yeah. I don't like but, like tons uh, I, of I cream think it's one of the better anything. ones to like. I like what? I like them just not with cream cheese. I mean, you want to have a little bit, but just I like them peppery without tons of extra filler. Just like some salt, some pepper, a little bit of cheese. Nothing like nothing like when you bite it like a jalapeno popper. And not that I don't like those, but just they're like full of nothing but cheese and oil. Right. Right. See, I, I'm a fan of those, but I'm also a fan of just doing things with jalapenos that aren't just using them as like some kind of like weird dressing, you know? Yeah. Um, what, what kind of weird dressing is that? I've actually seen them. Well, I, what I mean is, is a lot of times you just see like jalapenos adorn nachos or something boring, oh, adorn hot dogs. Okay. Um, I actually like uh, jalapenos when they're like pan fried and usually like pan fried in like a real heavy salt. It's actually really tasty. Oh, um, yeah. I don't know what uh, delicious what pepper. kind of like oil is generally used, but man, just simple stuff like that is so good. It could be any oil, honestly. That the point is to you know give it that crispy outside and juicy inside. I figure we got to talk about you know some sort of food this week since we don't have an abject email, unfortunately. Yeah, we did not get an abject email. He is. Uh, I can feel the void. Yeah, yeah, I know, but it's not a void. We uh we have things in our life. I like jalapenos because if I'm not making waffles or something, I will make uh eggs and stuff generally with onions and jalapenos and stuff it's very i like jalap they without jalapenos it just without some sort of pepper it needs to it could be a bell pepper doesn't matter without a pepper it just doesn't seem as robust i just think that bell peppers a lot of times just fall flat they can i, I would rather have the jalapeno they can fall flat it depends i suppose when they're not falling flat as in like you live in the northeast or someplace with gas power instead of electric and you put them on top of your gas range and like char the fuck out of the outside of the pepper the bell pepper that's good stuff yeah it is that's generally how you want to handle peppers and mostly anyway at any rate aside from the food um i don't know uh last time I mentioned surge in the podcast of the wedding i don't think i gave him enough of a shout out because um he was like the absolute champion at the wedding, just running interference. 
uh, distracting people so that they were not bothering me and that I could have a good time or walk away with care. You know, he was, he was, you know, he was observed, like he, he was kind of like shy at first because he's, he's Serge. And, um, it just, eventually he got out of that and started like running interference, legit being the best wingman ever. So I'm very happy that he is uh, the witness on the signing the People Got Married paper there because he was awesome and I could not thank him enough for being awesome there because he just started listening to the podcast too. So thank you again, Serge. And he also kicked off because he's in the Discord as well, which is how he got to there in the first place. He just one day popped up. I invited him to Discord, started talking for the first time in like forever. It could be seven, eight, nine, ten years for all I know how long it's been. It's been a long time. And uh, he posted a blind pig the other day. And everyone started posting their pets after he posted yeah, the, blind, the blind pig. So apparently, so yeah. what's the story with the blind pig? Is it just literally as simple? I as, think he as said because he's or? in he's in Vermont, but not in like the people live here area of Vermont. The uh, we get no cell service, but have internet section of Vermont. The the nice place, the place I think would be nice to live because there's nothing around and no one to bother you. That's fair. I can understand. But that. yeah, apparently he's on a farm of that nature because of that and uh they somehow came into a blind pig i don't know why it's not bacon but it's probably too old for bad i don't know how that works yeah i actually don't either because if the pig's blind i mean y- you wonder it's not a cat if the cat's blind you're like oh look at the cat if it's a pig hmm. yeah typically livestock has a, a certain pattern that you follow based on its survivability rate <laughs> Yeah, but Serge, how much he needs to nurture? Serge is a huge animal guy, and he loves animals. So it could be a pig or the very photogenic dog he posts pictures of. Which this dog, this dog's legit like calendar dog. It's just like weird. You look at it, and it's just like has that uh, commercial look to it. It just like naturally was born photogenic. Oh, like most corgis. No, it's like a uh, like a cocker spaniel or something. <laughs> <laughs> F- yeah, it's, I, it's just one of those types of dogs where like, you just look at it and you're like, oh yeah, poster dog, got it. Otherwise, in game, I have... I don't know, I'm just doing honesty with you guys. I feel like I hey, had things to contribute here, but I can't... I'm really doing too. I can't recall anything important to contribute to this section. So, let's go in <laughs> to the shout-out we have to make besides Serge here. Shout-out to uh, Ferlay, the drunk American sailor who oh, came, yeah. who came into our Discord last night while we were doing Ambuscade because Hayden was having internet problems, therefore we could not try me on Puppet Master at Mabose, which I was looking forward to, is why I said I am too. Yeah, I'm, I was because it could be absolutely fucking a waste of time, but I think <laughs> I think it'll be nice. So at any rate, he, he comes in shit faced, and we just got to give him a shout out. So uh, we told him to give him a shout out, and here's the shout out. You do you for Lay. He's a middle bunk kind of guy. Yeah, yeah he uh, he definitely is a middle bunk kind of guy. And uh, he came in and made that ambuscade abnormal. I don't I know. I think that's the word I'll use. I don't know if I've laughed so much. Like, no one else was laughing but me. Because I, I knew as soon as hey, he came I'm on in, push to talk. That was hilarious. Okay, well, I was visibly pushing the button, or audibly pushing the button to laugh. Because it was it was that good. Oh, man. Oh, man. What is happening right now? That's yes, that was what we kept saying in party is what the fucking yeah. bond deal is happening right now. Just out of like out of warning, he came in and the first thing is I uh wanna say hi so I don't get kicked from the Discord. It's like wait, right? who are you and why are we kicking you? He didn't say anything at first either. I actually thought it was Beastmaster Hopkins. I thought it was that's usually I how he joined Beastmaster us. too. Yeah. I don't know. What's what's going on? 
And then he said Asian shit, and I go, okay, this guy's good with me. I'm a cheap date. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, man. So do we want to move into the question we were not asked, but we're going to answer anyway? Yeah, man, we should do that. I suppose Fox I'm here read. to read it. Yes, Fox will read this one, because I read it pre-show, and now it's Fox's turn. That's right, because we have to take turns in this, uh, this particular question. We are a 50-50 partnership here, apparently. So, this uh, formatting. Make sure this you formatting. read it, run on sentence and all, and do not add any periods. Oh, I will. Question on TP bonus offhands, spec, dagger, and sword offhand for blue, or for dancer and blue, respectively, working respectively. on augmenting, respectively, working on augmenting Twashtar and building a Tizona currently. These need a bunch of ack to make reasonable on higher end content ellipses. Are these viable for low man groups considering we're adjusting buffs? And where, by the way, has the correct apostrophe in the center of it. I just want to make note of that. <laughs> Adjusting buffs as we need and typically try to boost act only when we really need to for everyone. That was a question for everyone. It's the worst. I couldn't make for sense everyone? of the question. Yeah, it, I tried to make it flow in that direction. It did not. Um, is, is that a question? I mean, I guess it's kind of a question. Anyway, it, I'm not done yet. Uh, we don't have an Idris Geo yet. But the bard has most of its Rima needs, Arima it needs. If I'm the only one needing that kind of ack to pull those weapon combos off, is it worth it? Or just stick to whatever next best item level offhand, I level offhand. When I say low man, we could maybe do two full parties. If everyone's using their extra accounts, everyone's is also correctly apostrophed. Um, extra accounts, semicolon semicolon <laughs> none of us do large link shell stuff preemptive thanks i really love the appropriate punctuation the semicolon and the apostrophes but the absolute the ellipses is incorrect but absolutely the worst run-on sentences into run-on questions i've yeah. seen in a while i i mean i i the reason i'm pointing this stuff out is because it was it, it didn't it doesn't seem difficult to look at it's right? not like it's not like if a ranger shoots for 30 you know um <laughs> It's it doesn't it, it's kind of like surprise and I don't want to be grammar Nazi either, but it's kind of like a surprise poorly written sentence with somehow correct punctuation when it, it's needed. I sort was of thing. impressed that since you usually read at a higher grade school level than myself, how you struggled more than even I did to read that. But also, you know what this is like? This is like when you take the, the blonde bimbo on a date and she's like twirling her hair and saying, and like, I also do this because like, you gotta, you know, and that's what I feel like the person is kind of, they're obviously not like the legally blonde, but it's what I, it's what it seems like. I think, I think my brain was trying to autocorrect it as, as I went and I was actively trying to fight it from autocorrecting the sentences. You even tried to alphabetize blue and dancer instead of dancer and blue. It's it's true. It's true. That's a that's a special one right so there. So my first question I laughed at is how is low man two full parties? Yeah, I mean, what does that make most of what I do like extreme low man? That that's soloing. It's it's soloing with three people. I don't know, dude. I so I, I'm not here to just talk about how I clear stuff with like low amounts of people or anything. The reason I say this is like when people say low man, like what do they usually mean? Not uh, three it, parties. <laughs> Yeah, it's you, not three parties. Like, is low man really two parties? Like seventeen I, I or guess, less. I guess it's really just like omen and dynamis when that's applicable too, because you can't use more than a party anywhere else. 
You forgot Beastmaster's favorite event. Oh, Vigory? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Vigory's still a real thing. Ellipses. <laughs> Ellipses. Uh, for everyone? Okay, so... <laughs> everyone? Yeah, I guess not for everyone, man. I guess you're, you have a point there. But yeah, if they use everyone's extra accounts, they get two full parties. So okay, the reason this question well, is being asked in my mind is because of the bullshit cookie cutter answers everyone gives that are obvious, but everyone needs to restate it to look like they know what they're talking about. So let's pretend yeah. Simon Says said this. <laughs> so, oh boy. Where they go, yeah, this is the best offhand ever for doing this combination of just, you know, hard-hitting weapon skills, if you have the accuracy, of course. And that's where everyone leaves it. So then this question comes up beautifully, and that's because everyone has to repeat the same, well, if you have enough buffs, or if you're hitting the mob acceptably enough, it's like no one clarifies and at the same time, people sit there and going to go, what does that mean? Does that mean if my accuracy is 75%, I'm okay? But no, it's not going to be a specific number, of course. I mean, it would be literally, but not, not to a point that's going to be answered. The main thing that I get from this is that this guy comes off as a selfish DD. So the reason, you. yeah, you, you should never have to actually phrase this question at all. You should be able to identify any, the dude actually does identify this while he's asking the question, which is like the craziest part. It's like he answers his own question. Um, if I'm the only one needing that kind of act to pull off those weapon, to pull those weapon combos off, is it worth it or just stick to whatever next I level offhand? So when you have to ask that question and then phrase it with the correct answer in there, it's like, you know, you shouldn't just be selfish about things, but you're like second guessing yourself because you saw it as a best in slot set somewhere. You know, I never would have thought that four sentences and yes, everything there was in the length of four sentences, even though <laughs> I never thought four sentences could have so much to unpack. Yeah, that's <laughs> just a lot yeah, going very on selfish, DD, because the whole point is you take the buffs of the group and the way it applies to the group and their needs, if they don't need accuracy and you still benefit from a different buff, because sometimes the bards sing minuet for no goddamn reason, and you should have just had Madrigal on so that you could have had that yeah. benefit, because otherwise you could have done min or something. I mean, nonetheless, you, you, what I'm saying is evident. However, uh, yeah, you don't, you don't get to change the buffs just because you're special. That's not yeah. optimal. And it also it also depends on where the rest of your group's sitting too, because there are situations where your act can come in at absolute garbage, but for whatever reason that weapon combination happens to be the best weapon combination you own. So you might still be winning the parse with that, even though you're at like fifty percent act or whatever. And that is possible. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't try to explore the answer to your own question and use you know better off hands and try to maybe save to higher TP thresholds or use different weapon combos. Like those are all relevant things, but you also kind of need to look at, you know, your overall group performance and, and is your ability to offhand that weapon with terrible accuracy still actually carrying what's going on? And it's, because that can happen. It's funny because on blue mage, you have the option of adding more accuracy if it's something you can fit in at that moment. And yeah. on dancer, you have the accuracy bonus trait, but you would change your food first, and if your food is all you need to make that work, then good. The 1,000 TP bonus if you're spamming a weapon skill and just spamming is going to be worth the food change. Yeah, and then, um, I mean, there are other outside factors too. Like, they, they, don't, they don't really go into the buffs that they're getting, um, but I know that um, if you're not using, like, a store TP role and you're instead you're using, like, a tactician's role, the um, TP bonus offhand is even more viable in lower act situations because you're still getting TP that you wouldn't have gotten anyway. 
And typically, uh, you only have tact because it's not and an that's optimal not, role in like diversions or something because the Corsair is being a selfish DD. And, and I don't want people to misinterpret what I just said either. Like that comes with like the biggest fucking asterisk ever. Like that does not mean something. that you use. Yeah, you don't use tactician's role to offset the fact that you have a TP bonus. But that could be a situation where you could get skewed results. And yeah, so the point is in answering their question, since I guess I have not that not, I'm not saying I have to because you're not. Because since I have to, as I can't just dance around and say, get enough accuracy and it's good weapon, best offhand. Um, which, if, if you couldn't tell, I absolutely fucking hate everyone saying that. <laughs> it's the dumb, it's just the dumbest parroting. It's, it's asinine, the buffoonery of the forums and how people yes. pass around this information as if it's legit in a way that they don't understand. Because I obviously am not as well versed in math as in I don't do math. And Fox is. so. It's just, you have to be able to recognize the value it adds. So if you're missing a lot and you have your food, something that's already changed and you've personally changed your accuracy gear a bit, there's a point where the benefits fall off. And if you're only at about 60% accuracy, I'm just going to throw a random number out and you've done those things, then yes, you're not using that anymore. If you're in content where you need... I don't know, let's say it's like high-end Odyssey content or something, not embossed because you can hit that with that with little problem <laughs> right. until, until stat down. It's a little problem until stat down. But you, you probably get away with like 1,400 on him or something ridiculous, which is not hard to hit with buffs and food and stuff. So no. if you've gotten to the point where you're like, okay, here's a, here's a very applicable point. Odyssey, uh, Shoal C. I use offhand TP bonus on blue and we're going there because... Of course, we're not skill chaining. I'm, that's what I'm going to use. So I will have accuracy problems if I do not use food. And then if buffs fall, or if I don't have the proper buffs or we get to the end floor, I need to change my gear. Otherwise, I'm not hitting, at least to me, an acceptable level anymore. And my TP gain is, it's still going up, but it's not. I would imagine at that point that my TP gain has slowed visibly enough to the point where me getting... 750 more TP with a better offhand to do damage slash get me there faster would be more beneficial. So that's obviously the the inflection there that everyone knows is the case, but they want to answer on but can't observe for themselves, which is what you have to do, especially as a blue mage. Uh, that's the answer. Yeah. If the accuracy has fallen and, off, then you change. And I can actually speak to the dancer end of this because I have a TP bonus dagger and I almost never use it. And it's not because it's not good or anything. It's, it's actually very good. Um, but the, the problem with Dancer is you, you really have to take a step back and look at what weapon skills you're using. And in a situation where like maybe you're spamming Rudra Storm for whatever reason, which means you're probably going to main hand a Twash Tower because that's optimal, right? Um, mm -hmm. Then yeah, you, you want to focus on that TP bonus offhand because you want TP overflow. But in a lot of situations, a Dancer brings much more to the party doing things other than just Rudra Spam. And you'll actually use weapon skills like Evisceration and Pyrrhic Kleos. Uh, far more often, and those don't benefit quite as much. Evisceration still does, but those don't really benefit quite as much from TP overflow. So what a dancer is generally doing is they're not trying to push that TP bonus higher in those situations. You're actually trying to optimize your TP usage so that you can reserve a thousand TP and shove in a job ability followed by a weapon skill so that you can maximize the uh, universal delay. So, the, so like you want to throw like your, your, your Sambas and your steps in there right before then you want to use the overflow for that. And you don't really need to work in a TV bonus if you're doing those kind of actions. I think the problem too is everyone's looking at Odyssey's the hot content and everyone's looking at farming that as a DD group. So that and diversions would come to mind too. 
So the problem is going to be you kind of neuter Dancer and make it a thief at that point with some extra perks yeah. by just trying to one-shot, two-shot every mob. So they're taking it and trying to front-load it as, as strong as possible while just focusing on only farming segments or only being one-dimensional best damage. Be all the DD you can be, essentially. <laughs> right. But, I mean, you should be able to understand, hey, no hit, no TP, better off with other weapon in offhand because there's other weapons that give you benefits. So no one's a walking human calculator that can say, oh, if you gain some store TP in the offhand and your accuracy is now capped and it was like 50% or something, that's, uh, you know, it must be at least 52% in order to edge out. You know, it's it's there's a lot of variables there too in the whole thing, especially on Dancer where you're going to want the extra TP for somehow having a cure or throwing at us you know something that's you, you need extra tp on dancer especially so and if you're if you're focusing on percentages that close like no human being is going to play that precisely either correct you'll never play to those percentages or those odds which we'll get into with the optimization point where i talk about yeah. how i use spreadsheets appropriately and not just what is highest deeps right oh god i hate that i'm, I'm gonna try not to get triggered by the fucking spreadsheet thing but Hold on, hold on, Fox. It's time to say the phrase. Here's the problem with spreadsheet land. Here's the problem with spreadsheet land. I think you said the problem. I think you said more to the fact of um, Here, this. This problem. is what happens when you live in spreadsheet. Yes, land. I was going to say yes. That's yeah. It. When you I, live, I know when you live in spreadsheet land, which is one of your all time greatest. Funny, in this question, like dancer with Twashtar main and TP bonus offhand is what you see in the picture on the guides. And then blue with Tizona main hand and TP bonus offhand is what you see in the guides. And you never see anything else. So I don't, I, I completely understand why this person's asking this question. I just don't see why, because they're answering the question with their own question, why they can't just reason past what other people tell them to do and just make grown up decisions themselves. Frankly, for Odyssey, it's entirely plausible depending on what you're fighting. If you're doing a melee group on blue that you would not want to use Tizona because the AM3 will be wasted, one, by running, which it's not the biggest deal because there's not a big distance between mob families at all, but two, when you fight Crabs, Ziz, Lamia, those kind of things, you need to put your club on and properly buffed with um, just flat-out minuets and even just the strength song, I'm doing over 40k Black Halos and... Probably around 43-ish K, um, depending on what it is, maybe a little higher expiations. But honestly, getting AM3 back, especially after losing it to walking and things, it's not even a matter of worrying about if I have enough accuracy with the ROM, which I will. It's it's not like in Shoal, if you're not accounting for things properly, you want to the accuracy. It's, uh, am I gaining enough benefit from using Tizona over Nagling? Because Savage Blade Nagling, the ROM is also... That probably, honestly, I think going to be a better combo for how that that flows and Tizona really outside of TP gain, which if your group is just mowing everything over and you don't need the extra MP because generally you don't depending on the group. So I, I like to keep it on sometimes if I know I'm going to need to cure and there's groups I know I need to. Ours would not be one I need to. So Nagling would be a better choice in that set, uh, setup then. Mythic boring. Aftermath has always been an awkward thing for me. Um, and this goes back to like Dynamis runs and stuff like that, where like you could have a situation where you put up Aftermath and you're like using it to fight and stuff. And then, like you said, you're going to have that break where you have to run to the next set of mobs or whatever. And this will happen in Odyssey too. 
um, or also. And what will end up happening is you'll you'll end up with like this awkward situation every now and then where you'll have about like 40 seconds or less on your aftermath. And you may think to yourself, man, that's not a big deal. But by the time you engage and you get to the point where you're going to weapon skill again, you could then have like anywhere between 20 and like maybe 17 seconds left. How about and this? When you engage and have 20 seconds left weapon skill and the mob goes down to like 10, 12, 13% and it's going to take a while to melee. But if you yeah. weapon skilled again, you will have no TP by the time you go to the next mob to get your AM3 up. So yep. you, you're stuck between that awkward land of, oh, I got to melee this mob down by myself yes. for the next 30 seconds, even though my aftermath's yes. only, yeah, and it's bad. That's what I'm getting at. And then uh, sometimes what will happen is the next DD over who's using a, uh, a weapon that will replace its own aftermath will just auto tab over to your target and just absolutely Hulk destroy it when you're about to get your AM back up. And yeah, it just gets really weird. Like you yeah. take significant DPS hits and that's, that's where you're not playing to the spreadsheet. Like that's where the spreadsheet's going to lie to you. Yeah. The changing of weapons in this case should be more of a, you don't need to zona for that. I mean, the only problem I would see is if you have to use white wind regularly, because something we do differently is constantly change idle sets where you don't change your idle set. And I do. I hate changing my idle set. I constantly will change back to the refresh because I need to keep that MP up. If I'm not using to zona, I just have to. So, I have, so for, for those listening though, I, I have different idle toggles. I have lots of them, way too many actually. That's your problem. But the, the main reason, well, no, I, I do find switching them normally. The main reason I don't switch them in Odyssey is that if I'm on like Blue Mage, I do not want a situation where I go to pull something and I've derped and I'm like sitting there in a refresh set and I just explode uh, okay, like I've seen see. one of our Blue Mages do and not it's not you. Well, that's Felgar, isn't it? Yeah, well, I was going to try not to. Um, well, Felgar yeah. requested last night that we do not use his name in the podcast. So we cannot talk about how Felgar sometimes runs in. Felgar of the Acero server, with that's one R, <laughs> will sometimes, F-E-L-G-A-R, will sometimes run in without the idol set on that he's supposed to wear and blow up because not evasion. We will not say that. I guess that's what he gets for haste-doing abject. You're welcome, abject. <laughs> haste-doing abject. I like that. <laughs> It's an inside joke. I'm sorry we told that on the podcast because you guys aren't going to know what's going on, but rest assured. I don't even know the joke. I just picture something that happened with Felgar being Felgar and Abject being Abject, and we know enough about Abject from his emails, and if you've seen him on the YouTube videos, because he talks in a few of them. It was that stupid Red Mage thing where uh, where not Abject, but Felgar realized, because I had to show him, that haste can be greater than, than 11 minutes. <laughs> he did not know that a red mage could deliver a haste to greater than 11 minutes. and he's not a dumb guy he he's he knows he's not it's just you know he needs but he, this he, is... he has a very extreme reasonable doubt that needs to be proven otherwise yes. he's very uh analytical so basically there was a, some things that happened and he ended up haste toing someone he should not have been haste toing as you do as you do so oh is it, was it. this a summer thing no, this was um, when they were they were both playing Red Mage. I was going to say, oh, <laughs> Red, was he haste to another yes. Red Mage? Guys, do not haste to other Red Mages. <laughs> Don't ever do that. Oh, Don't man. ever, ever do that. That's funny. That's yeah, funny. That was, that, you don't oh, even know the joke just to hear haste toing a Red Mage haste to another Red Mage. Is, that, that's special. He was doing it, he was doing it to be trolly, and it did not work out well. Ooh, so Abject probably did not take kindly. No, I don't blame him either. He already has a complex about being able to go red mage. <laughs> oh, man.
So at any rate, I think we answered that question succinctly. <laughs> not succinctly. Yeah. Nothing with me is not succinctly. But yeah, um, I think Nagling, because you need to change weapons regularly in Shoal C, maybe not the case in you know B if you're farming B now, because the wings, since they've changed the ending to click the ending for points and stuff, people are absolutely just... The, the price of lusterless wings has gone from like 300-ish K down to like 150K now. It's delicious. It's just floored down. And the problem is lusterless wings don't make much good shit, and the hides and scales, especially the hides, make all the good shit. Yeah, go make your Vim Torkin call today. Yeah, I did, and I didn't make a functional rule yet. I just had the error going on. I think there's one or one or two other pieces that I want to still make. Like, I actually haven't made the lowest Barbuda. Lower cap uh, one is good to have. Yeah. So there's like a handful of pieces that people will be glad the price had plummeted on, but it's not going to be like a cash cow for you. But Maybe it doesn't set up people to touch the end, and they're going to get free gill every time they touch the end anyway. So it's still a nice thing in a world where we can't sell shields. We're anymore. getting always about close to 800k or so at the end. So yeah, and it'll continue to trend upwards too. Like we did, like like I said earlier, like we just started doing melee strats again, and we haven't for a very long time. So we're still getting used to doing that instead of joking. I don't think we even need a tank at this point. Well, Honestly, instead of pulling all the mobs, just having the DDs run in there while a white mage takes or a scholar, a white mage takes care of them, uh, would be probably ideal. As long as the, the pull is sleepable, I could say that that's probably okay. Um, but we would have to have like, uh, well, since you're gonna be on blue anyway, we'll just have you pull it on blue mage, right? With an mm, invasion that's, set. That's slow. I could see, and then I could there. honestly see having um, a job like Dark Knight with a crossbow shooting something to pull it over and me or the white mage using dia and stuff when they pull like just everyone pulling random things and going to town and then when it's thin enough well, thinning the rest out because i've seen to it maximize to maximize the tank we should actually just pull multiple families and, and just i i what mm. i should do well, i've been on paladin what i should do is i should just round up everything on the floor and just like pull it to an now area. if your paladin's wearing nayame and has evasion songs on you could probably pull three families or two families but even just pulling just pure defense, just running around, not blocking, getting hit by two families at a time. That's gonna still gonna tax you. They they get hit pretty hard. There there are still ways to do it. Like even if the even if the tank just like rounds it up and then you sleep it in a location, the tank does not build hate on it. And as long as the DDs are responsible for building enough hate that you know they won't go smite the healer the moment they wake up, then the then the the tank or whoever's like pulling can just continuously pull rather than actually sit there and try to tank. Yeah, because the problem I have is when you pull a group of family, unless the tank is being, you know, Lightning McQueen here, um, he's not pulling enough families fast enough. And the fact that he has to build hate, as soon as the one weapon skill goes off, he's lost the mob. So if you have a bunch of DDs who all don't want to fight the same thing because you want to optimize not losing most of the mob's HP on one weapon skill on just, you know, wasting the last 10% of a mob. So all you have, you have three DDs who have then taken three mobs off the tank, and the tank kind of just stands there with seven mobs and their dick in their hand yeah and then that's where you know i think that pulling uh them continuously pulling would be the best way of handling it but then they run away without the mob the only reason you you build any kind of hate is so that they don't immediately wake up and murder a, a, a like the, the healer with the double yeah. attack correct because like if they're mid cast on a cure and what a lot of healers know about their cure sets is they don't have a lot of dt in them um you could get like double crit from a double attack and you'll just be straight up dead so that that will actually happen quite a bit especially if multiple mobs wake up and do that because the dds just go right at it and then it floats away because they've been cured in the meantime yeah there's a, a lot of things that can go wrong there yeah 
But I've seen it done in groups, so they just stopped taking a tank at this point. I don't know. I think we'll get it. At any rate, uh, I guess we're going to move on to what? Was there something? Oh, oh, follow-up. What the follow-up in Vonadil? There was the dev, because last time we talked about the inventory thing and the voracious resurgence, all that kind of thing, the, the last episode, the honeymoon one. And there was a dev post since then, since the update two days ago. Yeah, two days ago was the update. And there was a dev post uh, further clarifying what we talked about. So not going to be too much discussion on it, but it just adds a little more to what we talked about. But not too Honestly, much. When I read this thing over, and it's in the Square Enix official forums and stuff, it's under their digest. It, Fox is going to read it. Um, well, I'm going to read the whole thing? Uh, I mean, I, I'll I guess parts. I well, I, I kind of want to summarize it so people know what's going on with the points first, and then I guess I can read it. But basically, it, it's in the Digest forum, uh, like the official forum. It's the Digest. It's an official post based on what they released for that Digest for this update. And really, all it's going to do is just talk about a less vague timeline to their already vague timeline is kind of what I got out of it. Yes, it does. But I guess some, we could some structure. You could read it. Do you want to so, read the greetings part and I'll read the voracious resurgence part? Sure. Greetings. No, I'm not director Fujito. I'm, I'm going to pretend to be. Uh, having celebrated our 19th anniversary on May 16th, we are now less than a year away from our 20th anniversary. I wanted to personally inform you of developments leading up to next year. And so here I am typing away at my keyboard. Here's a basic summary of what we will be doing from here on out. Uh, however, we're unable to promise a specific time frame for many of these plans, so please consider it a simple list of goals for myself being Fujita. Um, the Final Fantasy XI team is currently developing the following three features as our primary goals for 2021 fiscal year. So these are the three things that they plan to bring us as a development team, and that would be the voracious resurgence, job-related systems, and storage system revamp, which is a hot topic with a lot of people, myself included. Especially you. I currently, I, I just retired four jobs to make it a little more meaning, or a little more manageable. Carrot always harasses me and goes, so why does it take you three hours to do Odyssey? It's only a 30-minute event. And I go, well, Fox has to change jobs. And you see, it's what happens is. Yeah, so in my strategies, guys, um, part of... Part of the strategy for the run is how I plan to pre-change my jobs in advance to cut down on the time it takes me to do that. Because they see there's a Porter Moogle and there's Mule Lane. Yeah. And it's it's not, a lot of gross. It's not functional. Yeah. That's why you should stick to your favorite jobs and not be me. Yeah. The, see, me being having terrible jobs here and being me is, is advantageous in the situation here. Correct. We're respecting our party members' time. Yeah, when I change the rune fencer, I am ready to go. I have maybe five pieces of gear that aren't on me <laughs> at all times. So what's going on with the Voracious Resurgence, man? The Voracious Resurgence. Art Aragon sets the stage of the story in the June 2021 version update. Who will be featured this time? What is the story relevance of the Blue Mage mentioned in the news announcement? As usual, I'm quite sure the story won't betray your expectations. We're planning to continue the scenario for at least another year, so if you haven't caught up, you should be able to progress through the story at your own pace. Okay, so and I have not been captivated by the story thus far. I have not seen a I'm single gonna... storyline. I haven't done anything with it all yet. I have, and like there was dancing at some point, and I think there was like <laughs> at the very beginning. Dancing. Like it, it was... It was 
it was really lighthearted. And there are a lot of scenarios, especially within Final Fantasy games as a whole, that start out really lighthearted and then they take like, like dark turns. I'm hoping. And this story seems like it can have a dark turn to it. It looks like it could build up to something cool, but it's definitely taking its sweet time getting there. Hey, they got less than a year left, so. Yeah, so hopefully they, they bring something at least entertaining for those who enjoy stories like myself um, and not just something that you just want to click through because most of the most of the player base will just click through it. Well, I mean, I think people run internally, but there's also a fast cutscene. It's true. Just to speed up the frames per second. Now you're gonna you're gonna double the frames per second so you can get the cutscene done faster. Sometimes it locks you up and you have to force close. Yeah, I don't use it, but I, I've run into a lot of people who have had that happen to them. Not in a resurgence, but just over the years. And turn like the alone is fast enough. How lazy can you get? It has to be twice as fast. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, that's just my take on the story so far. Um, I do appreciate really good stories, and I really was hoping that they'd have something going on for this one. But there's like weird cutesiness and like there's like broken continuity between like the the running joke of the goblin not understanding who you are. Uh, mild spoilers. I'm not going to say much else about it. I don't know that joke, so. but it's it's I, I'm hoping it's a joke. Like, that's how mild the spoiler is, is it might not even be a joke. Who, who really knows? Like, it's. I'm not saying it's not written, written well, but it's it's not gripping. And like some of these stories could be considered gripping. And like this one is probably the so, weakest so far. To put this in perspective here, what stories did you find gripping to compare it to? And maybe one that's not so gripping that you think is closer to it or one that's more gripping? Give us some perspective. Yeah. So not so gripping would be like the Sandoria like rank missions. Ooh, that's that's yeah, those that's those were pretty dry and awful. But then you got really good ones like the, you know, we talked about this before, the Windurstian um, uh, even Wings the, of the Goddess even line. Even the Windurst rank missions were a lot better than the Sandy ones, I thought. I, I like the oh, yeah. I like the story that Sandy had. Like, like not the story, but finding out certain details. Can I have spoiler alerts about, like, the Lightbringer? Well, I mean, you can't spoil something that's, like, been resolved hey, in 2006. Not everyone has found out how the Lightbringer destroyed Tavnazia, which was really cool. And the cutscene. Yeah, I thought that was cool, cool too. Yeah, and but that's the, the only cool it. thing that happened. Yes. But I think the Windurst storyline for rank missions was better than, especially the Bastupid one. Um, okay. I'm talking about the Wings of the Goddess one. Well, yeah, and I know the Wings of the Goddess one was, was super good. That was better than the whole entire Wings of the Goddess, frankly. Which oh, yeah. that's I'm not saying it was bad. I enjoy Wings of the Goddess. Lilith and Lilith were actually great, as far as I'm concerned, and their dynamic and the way that was written out. I liked that a lot. Great story, to me. But it's good you brought this up though, because like that that's actually where I would put this comparison so far. So in my book, it feels like the Sandy Rank missions. It's like, that in terms bad. Of how, it, it it's not it's not engaging. That's like the bottom of the list. It's it's not engaging. Uh, I have I'm saving my I'm not blowing my load here. I want to save it until they have everything out and then I'll run through it because a lot of it seems like it's trivial a level 80 job could do with the start kind of bullshit. Yes, it is. Everything's pretty like easy gameplay wise. It's very accessible. It's going to rev up because we're going to get here later to the content section for how quick this is not going. So I also before we end this section here at not the section the segment but the section of part one of three of the dev post here is can I also say how when they posted the um, blue mage in the update announcement, the little picture with his eyes glowing or whatever, how very clearly to me, so they saw that I go, oh, the, that's clearly voracious resurgence update. And then everyone on the, not everyone, but there was a vocal, oh, yeah. a vocal group on fucking auction house. As I said, the auction house fucking buffoonery 
where they go, oh my god, is this a blue mage adjustment? It's like, what the yeah, fuck? Dude. No, I, I, I know what you're talking about, and that's hilarious. And it happened on Reddit, too, because it's Reddit. We don't even have to include that to know. But it's just, the first thing people go is, oh my god, what is that? Yeah, they thought they were getting blue mage adjustments. They must be adding new spells. What's happening? It looks like a gaze attack. Every time they had spells, they had the blue mage casting something to everyone. So it's not, if you don't see a blue mage casting a spell, it is not a spell edition. Oh, man. Okay, you get the next section. Job-related system. In contrast with previous job adjustments, where we rotated through individual jobs and made changes to their abilities and traits, this system could be summed up as removing shackles. Quotes. Of course, this isn't meant to completely replace job adjustments, and individual adjustments will still be made as necessary, similar to how certain jobs were changed to bring them up to standard in preparation for this new system. Our current balancing adjustments are based on the state of the jobs after they have progressed through this new system. What do you think? Um, I don't know what to make of it. The same speculation could still be applied. Maybe it's extra job points, as everyone says. Maybe it's this or that. Uh, we'll find out when they give it to us because last time we did a yeah. speculation on that, and that's didn't that. really clear anything up. Like yeah, they're really not. emphasizing the removing the shackles thing, but I mean, who knows what that? Yeah, means. I don't know if it's like some sort of uh, reference to a song, or I don't know. But <laughs> it's a culture specific joke, and we just don't understand. I want to start hearing some some deep humming. If only. <laughs> yeah, not much else on the job-related system adjustments. We're going to get them probably soon, but, you know, who knows what they're going to do. Removing them shackles. Hopefully it doesn't break the game. You know, Carrot came to me, came stopped at my work the other day and showed up to surprise me because she wanted to see me because she missed me, I guess, even though we spent a whole week together. Oh, how cute. And she goes, did you know Juneteenth, the post office closed? What is that? And I go, oh, that's that the holiday the last emancipated slaves being free. She goes, well, when is that? I go, I don't know because Juneteenth's not a fucking date. <laughs> but I go, that's yeah. what it is. I go, what's wrong with Emancipation Day? So I don't know that holiday date either. It's just like I didn't know that my wedding was falling on Memorial Day weekend because, of course, I don't fucking know. I'm really awful with dates, too, honestly. Like, I, people have to remind me, like, I don't the week. celebrate Memorial Day. Yeah, I, I mean, I dates don't really, like, mean much to me. It, it means way more to other people than, than myself. And a lot of times people get really mad, too, like, having to constantly remind me of things that I just never think about. I know when my birthday is, when her birthday is, when fucking... Uh, Yuletide is, and that's that's about it. April Fool's Day, everyone knows that. I know April Fool's Day, and I don't know Memorial Day, Labor Day, or any of that shit. So, Flag Day, I couldn't tell you when Flag Day. Is. <laughs> flag Day, uh, Flag Day, Boxing Day. I believe is the twenty sixth of December. So, I know Boxing Day because it's stupid to me because I don't have that. I'm not in Canada, so I don't. I understand that it's about gifting as in boxes but i just you know that thing in spongebob where they have this boxing and it's two boxes in a ring hitting each other like cardboard boxes yeah that's what i picture boxing day when i hear it that's how my mind works in canada they have boxes get in the ring (laughs) oh canada we do have a good segment of canadian listeners they are i think behind even the uk listeners but they're definitely up there maybe if germany is fourth and they probably have Canada at fifth or somewhere competing with Germany. So I don't know what I'm talking about, though. Nonetheless, yeah. storage system revamp. Since now Fox has upped his narration skills here, I will have to continue in suit. This has been in the works for a very long time, but we are looking into increasing inventory space. 
Ever since Mog Wardrobes 3 and 4 were added, we've repeatedly replied that adding more inventory space was not possible. So this goal may seem like a contradiction, and you might be frustrated with us and wondering why we haven't implemented it already. <laughs> yeah, the player base frustrated yeah. something hasn't been done the moment they think of it. Oh man, that's <laughs> who would have thought. Sounds How, accurate. However, this method comes with a risk to gameplay, and I would like to warn you that it most likely won't be a catch-all solution. Loading times, the aspect with the largest effects on gameplay, cannot be improved beyond their current speeds, so we'll try and tackle it from a different angle. Mm. So I guess uh, that's, you know, as we all know, uh, inventory is coming. We just don't know how it's coming. So for the people who are, are mad, it's like, hey, just give us extra wardrobes and stuff. I, I know why they're they're not just putting more wardrobes on. And it's not all based on greed and wanting to charge us more, though I imagine that's part of it. Um, Fox knows why the cage inventory sings. Yes, uh, because my inventory is so absolutely disgusting on my character. I'll tell you that it takes me much longer to load inventories when I change zones than most people. <laughs> and uh, when your inventory already is pretty slow to load, imagine tacking like 160 more items worth of inventory space on there and you end up with like an even bigger problem. Like I'll load into my mules. My mules load right up inventory wise because they don't have nearly as much on them. But on my main, because I basically have like every slot, um, it's a really gross setup and it, it takes me two to three times longer than most people to actually like have everything load in uh, once I load into a zone. So I, I can see why they wouldn't just tack this on. I'm interested to see what the different angle is, but I'm also not impressed with storage slips. I think they could have been handled a lot better, like job slips instead of like, I think it'd the be way nice they have it would if, be better. If like um, with the sets, this actually could be a viable solution. I don't know. It could be like a Porter Moogle solution based system. I don't know if adding another NPC to handle it would be the way to do it. I imagine it would be because it wouldn't increase load times and it would be something they can accommodate because they had the Porter Moogle and everything else that stores things. Like, um, so we have the equip sets. Imagine being able to store certain lists of gear. Like, this is my job's gear that I'm storing. As in, like, oh, I remember I, you I pull, this by me. I didn't even, I just thought of this now. I didn't run this by you ever. I've never, I just thought of it as you were speaking about the Portamugal. When you said the Portamugal could have been handed better, handled better, like immediately in my mind it clicked. Well, we have the equip set system, so why couldn't we just do something where you save stored in the equip sets, a yeah. set grouping of items that you can pull out? Like, like you, you have Black Mage in deep storage. So say you want to play Black Mage, you go to the Portamugal 2.0 and you put all of your gear in the one single this is my job name it slip so black mage slip don't drop it you lose all your fucking gear in the game as we know with portamoogle so right. you just would go i want to play black mage and you would just i guess take whatever is on you and i mean because the problem is trading you had to trade eight things at a time which would be slow but you getting the gear back would be fine uh just storing specific sets of things so instead of being a portamoogle where you have to trade this slip and this gear isn't it oh i want my af let me get this slip let me trade it this way you could at least just save no. specific sets of gear, which would probably help a lot. It would still be a problem, but better than the Porter Moogle, I it guess. It would. I think the main thing they have a difficulty with storing is uh, stuff with variable augments, like um, you know all the hurt gear, all the dark matter stuff. They just wouldn't um, store it. I, yeah. So I it's mean, you wouldn't fine. be able to store that. But what the what I would hope you would be able to store is all those fucking accessories. 
I have inventories full of fucking earrings and rings. And that actually takes up almost as much as like capes. How about, you know, just uh, an accessory slip where you store all accessories in this Porter Mughal 2.0 and then you have like with uh, Abyssia a favorites list and you pull out specific items based on a pre-save favorites or just something that's quicker. Yeah. Like how they used to with, do the stupid sparks thing was really slow and to keep confirming and now they just made it every time you click it comes out. With the amount of inventory that would, the space that I, that would actually save me, I could keep an inventory empty that I could then load all of those those accessories yes. into. That's what I was yeah, thinking to. A wardrobe just for that and then keep some stuff on my person and then just go through the process of like putting them all away, which would suck because I mean it's like 150 some odd whatever. But I could at least pre-gear like four or five jobs and just leave those available and just like it would make it easier for me to just switch those out as I go. Because I have all these jobs, I just don't always need them simultaneously. But it is nice to have at least five you know, set to go for like Odyssey runs, stuff like that. Um, that would be really beneficial. And you know, too, another thing that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. I mean, it's not convenient to have a second Moogle. But when we zone, we don't have the inventory that's in our, our Nomad Moogle or Mog House. What about a second one or just another addition to that house so that we can keep more things in the house? I'd be fine with that. Just move it over when I get in the job. Yeah, I actually change jobs really nicely in the Mog Garden. I just hate going through all the menus to get to the Mog Garden every fucking time. No, you just don't talk to the mogul. Just click on yourself and click Mog House. Well, yeah, I mean getting to the Mog Garden, though. Oh, oh, yeah. Because there's a Porter Moogle in the Mog Garden. Like, I actually have really good turnaround there once all my inventories have loaded. Because there's, like, no lag. There's, like, nothing going on in there. Also, so, unless they've maxed out how much that NPC can hold, why can't they just have the Nomad Moogle have another, like, Mog Locker kind of, you know, call it Mog Wardrobe. Or, you know, it's obviously obviously the Mog Wardrobe already, but, like, Mog House Wardrobe. Something something similar but stupid. And uh, why can't we just have another 80 slots of that in the house that's not loading every time? I don't care if my house takes longer to load. Yeah, I I, I do because I do a lot of changes in my house. In fact, my whenever you guys have me change jobs and you see me go to North Sandy, because that's usually where I'll change, um, most of the time it takes me to do that is um, zoning in and out of my Mog house uh, because I have to I have to wait for like certain inventories to load and then to swap out certain sets of gear and stuff, which is in a labor a laborious process. Um, that part there when I'm loading my house is actually one of the longest uh, longest load times for me. Hell, I could save inventory just by if they gave me uh, some way of storing glamour, you know, lock style gear. Since I had to save as a key item, that'd be amazing. Just as a way of like storing certain things. I mean, not, not necessarily key items because they they can't just give infinite key items in this game. They'll run out of room, I'm sure. That's true. Um, but just a way that I could put it in a place where I can't use it whatsoever, but I can lock style it on, like a Link Pearl. Or just even Link Pearls, too. Just not having to carry them would be nice. Um, things like that would help a lot. Nonetheless, I think that's all stuff. I could say on that, I guess. But yeah, I mean, the stuff we're talking about, though, isn't anything new, and it's been the same stuff that they've been talking about for basically what we can remember in, you know, the, the recent changes, like after, like, post-job changes stuff. Um, there's nothing new that's come out of this. They've kind of tightened up the their what they're going to say about the timeline for it, but it's still pretty vague, even timeline-wise. Well, the, I so. think the most important thing comes here at the end, because there's the not section section is, what I've mentioned so far is what we're hoping to achieve by the end of this fiscal year, which Felgar like pointed out is March of next year. So, haha, playing with things. I mean, no one goes by fiscal year, so that's obnoxious in my opinion. Nonetheless, 
Each of these goals are rather resource-intensive, mm -hmm. but we'll be tackling them with everything we have. So what, then, do we have planned for next year? I can't go into detail, but here are some key words. Empyrean armor, the voracious resurgence-related content. These goals were decided two years ago, <laughs> and we'll be working to implement them. Now that I've listed the major features of our plans, many of you may be wondering what we have in store beyond the 20th anniversary. However, this forum post isn't the place for a topic of such importance, so producer Matsui will bring it up to an important, appropriate timing. That's it for me today. The word, uh, the world may still be in the midst of cut, whatever. Um, so the important thing to me there was voracious resurgence-related content, and yes. especially at their Empyrean armor. So content is not missions. It is actual, like, Odyssey content, so... We will be getting some sort of content, which likely is the place we have greater Empyrean armor, because that's not too much of a stretch. Yeah, they're probably one and the same. And we're probably looking at um, another like endgame oriented uh, reward system um, attached to it, too, probably involving like something re related to Rima in some way, I would assume as well. It's going to be interesting because I think Fel was saying, since Fel, if for all we make fun of him, is very adept at not only remembering everything the devs say, because of course. But um, knowing the limitations they keep expressing because Fell's the kind of guy that bothers Rooks on Auction House to change the achievements-based point system so that they make more sense. <laughs> he literally... <Yeah. laughs> Rooks does not like Fell, and he absolutely despises how many times Fell has posted at him and sent him PMs and bothered him. And Fell has asked to help do things in the site because Fell is he's technologically, he has skills and abilities to do things that either of us do that could actually be of assistance. So yeah. Fel goes out and goes, hey, could I help? And since it's Fel, it's, you know, leave me alone, go away. And uh, yeah, so Rooks got tired of, if you bring up Rooks to a uh, Fel to Rooks, he just kind of gets upset. Is <laughs> 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 the easiest way to put it is upset. Oh, but no. he had expressed, Fel had expressed, I think when he posted this, originally just to talk about it the other night, in Discord during Odyssey or after post Odyssey, something like that, post Nut Clarity, um, that they I don't have the ability to add more zones. They are reusing old zones, which is why the unused Wings of the Goddess zones, which is something I remember too, not Wings of the Goddess, but the unused, um, what's that? Walk of Echoes. Walk of Echoes. Yes, thank you. The unused Walk of Echoes zones, because they had been added back when Walk of Echoes was, back when Wings of the Goddess was. Many, like we're talking, what, 10 years ago? They've been sitting there unused. Yeah. So that's why they got used. But he is saying they didn't have the ability to add more zones or some limitations were associated with that or they're out of XYZ to do something. So I, if that's the case, if my synopsis of what I remember him saying, because I do kind of tune fell out sometimes. I mean, we really mentioned him a lot this episode. He shouldn't have said not to mention him. Yeah, it just can't happen to come up a lot. Yeah, he actually did. It wasn't the first part was making fun of him, bringing up potentially. Then it just happened to come up. Um, he should be happy. He's useful. <laughs> so if that's the case, I don't know what they would do. Like we have Void Watch and old zones and stuff, but that's not practical for content. It needs to be instanced because even Ambuscade's reusing old zones and stuff. So they've been doing that since Ambuscade, and I don't know what they did. I mean, they did a whole Adelan expansion, but that could have been very resource intensive with an outside team brought in as a matter of fact so we don't know i don't know what they would use I mean, they must have some old stuff in adapts people post talk about that original zone from like when the game first launched with like the little like railway in it and everything that was never used yeah i honestly have no idea 
I don't know what they would do. Maybe they will add stuff, but if they can't... I just figured it would be more Walk of Echo stuff until we die. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, if there's, like, enough of new stuff there, and then, you know, pilot swaps for mobs. If it's another... if it, I don't know if there's any Walk of Echo's maps left, because they made a bunch, but we, they used a bunch for all the Odyssey, so I don't know if there's any left between Walk of Echo's itself and that, but if they do another walk, if they do another walk of echoes event for imperian armor then that to me is the biggest red flag of the game's future that has ever been shown because until this point there's been nothing that tells me the game would be in trouble during a, you know, of its longevity continuing there's been nothing to me that demonstrates that it will keep continuing the updates we're getting now are better than we could ever have expected considering there's supposed to be no major updates and we're getting i think odyssey is a rather major update even though it's phased but yeah, it's huge. Yeah. So nothing to me has shown any issue with the game's longevity since everyone posts, is it worth getting this game? Is it going to end? And of course, it's worth playing even for a day, as I've always said. But if, yeah. if that's the case, then I'd be actually worried for the first time. Yeah. And like, just because us veteran players are getting content now with Odyssey does not mean that like someone new coming to the game wouldn't be able to pick up stuff like, uh, like, like getting level 99 and then like going experiencing Omen and having Omen be like end game challenging to them. So, I mean, you got to take it from perspective. It's like new players are going to get a lot more out of this game than like a a seasoned player would because all we really have to look forward to is additional Odyssey content because we've done everything else where they have all this other stuff ahead of them that, where they can still experience Endgame over and over and over again as it, as it progresses to be more and more Endgame. To me, the most important thing in this game besides enjoying it and obviously meeting your wife and things like that is... Who has to be a white mage? If your wife's not a white mage, you got problems. Um, unless you're the white mage. Fair. I mean, you could be the white mage. Someone has oh, to be hello. the healer. <laughs> you mean me? <laughs> Fox is actually a white mage. For anyone who didn't know, um, Fox is I also white mage. Fox is also looking for waifu. So, if anyone's in the <laughs> game for that, the most important thing besides all that is keeping things in perspective and enjoying what you're doing instead of just trying to get that dopamine drip. You have to actually have some sort of feeling when you walk through a Rapago Reef, because you usually never do. You have to actually have a feeling of enjoyment of some level, of just being there, or maybe hearing the music or something for a second. But uh, when we had the last free campaign with the Wildkeeperies and everything, I went and fought a Wildkeeperie with people who needed the clear because they were new players. Yeah. Yeah, you did the same thing, Fox. Yeah, I, mean, I did too. At different times. Great. And I had not fought that Wildkeeper Reeve in years? Years. Like maybe two, three years or something ridiculously long because I'd have no reason to fight it. And watching new players who were struggling to even do that versus either of us could just walk up to it, which the game never felt like the power discrepancy at 99 was that big, but now it's the creep is the creep's real. Yeah. So it was trivial for us. And but it was like, fun, it, I, you're right, though. It, it was fun and it was fun like watching them learn play this content like like, like you said struggling and a lot of times people will, will see struggling as like a negative thing um struggling is actually great like if, if you're struggling to do something in this game that means you're like giving it your all and you're actually like involved and invested in like trying to clear what's happening and for them to be able to pick this up and still have that kind of experience is awesome even with you know veteran players helping them out you know so yeah it's absolutely worthwhile my smart lights are dicks and they're dicks because i'm stupid there's literally, as you're saying, yeah. that it's not pitch black in my room because... Oh, it's doing the fade out thing again? It does. the. I never change the fade out from like when I should be going to oh, sleep no. at this point and like the lights are out in bed watching TV or something and they just turn off at this time every time we're recording and 
Like I, it's the episode where we sit down for an objective. We never actually reach that objective. The entire, I was time. thinking that too. We're gonna what get, the fucking Vanadil is wasting your listeners time. Yeah, we're respecting the time. We're going to get to the job optimization immediately. After I'm done complaining <laughs> about my smart lights. Cause what they do is they start fading out. Cause I set them to do that. Like they get progressively. Cause it's supposed to be, I, and, and like Phillips, uh-huh. Hugh didn't tell me that's good for you. But as far as I know, phasing out slowly, like the sun setting is a biological thing for you. Anyway. Um, they just turned off because what I'll do is I'll turn them up so they stop turning down and they never turn off. They just turned off this time. So fuck you. There was an update. Maybe that's what the update was. Wow. The turn off update. So job optimization. Do you want to do you want to start there, Fox? Or Yeah, I guess I can. It always takes us over an hour so, to get to the episode, which I think is great. <laughs> so job optimization. This is something I actually do daily. Um, you do. I have it's all disgusting. these jobs. I talk about having all all these jobs and some people think that they can be like done with stuff but there's always like little things that you can tweak and it doesn't have to be huge but in order to need to optimize something on a job you have to be able to be comfortable with and be able to identify where there could be like a failing or a shortcoming in that job and everyone has them like they exist they could be sets that you didn't think were good enough good enough to make the list good enough to be worth your inventory slots um they can optimizations can be something that could even just be like tweaking any lua's or even just going out and playing with new job combinations. Like uh, the other day I was looking into uh, Summoner Sub Samurai uh, because I stumbled upon some like Brixie content when I was trying to learn more about Summoner. And I saw that he was doing like Melee Summoner things. And I'm not trying to say that Melee Summoner is like good or anything, it's not. but it's still something that you've, you've never, you never really see, right? Because you always see like a cookie cutter style play style for them. And just because it's interesting, you can then optimize your character to be able to do that. So in a job that traditionally doesn't really have melee sets, you can then sit down and build some melee sets for your job. And, you know, based on the gear that you have access to, you can start there and then just continue to tweak it until you can build it up. And that's really what job optimization is. Yeah. When I first had encouraged this idea tonight, because I haven't had time to think about things and this kind of, I go, what about min maxing? And then Oh, we had to correct me because the way that min maxing is commonly used, especially by me in this game, uh, is not min maxing, which is getting the most out of the least amount of pieces of gear. Apparently, Fox told me it's a Dungeons and Dragons thing, which I yes. do not play tabletop even for a second. So I I am unaware of these people. People misuse min maxing all the time. And min maxing is where you're taking your non-desirable stats or whatever, and you're basically throwing them away. It's like uh, dump stats and stuff. So the example that I used is that dark knights don't gear for charisma and torque leader. And that's absolutely true. Like that's actual min maxing. When you were choosing to use weapon skill damage, vit and attack over charisma, you're technically min maxing at that point. The problem though, is that most of the gear aligned with Dark Knight doesn't have charisma as a stat that you would ever need to take into account anyway. So it's not truly min-maxing. You're just following your path of resistance for optimizing your gear sets. So I think that's why we settle on optimization. Because instead. optimization is Because everyone just... Yeah, every exactly. And, and people just misuse it all the time, min-maxing, um, because the game kind of takes care of that part for you. And it's really just a focus on optimization. You know, I'm glad we didn't have any emails because I like that that pre-actual content discussion. That was like a whole episode. Yeah. Well, I mean, sometimes we have to brainstorm stuff and that, I guess, boils into like the strategy of attacking an episode, too. Oh, I never released that. How do we focus on making an episode like we had that hour and a half of pre-show thing for the <laughs> job progression? Yeah, I should could have actually released that as the podcast for the week that we didn't release one, but it's too late now. 
Well, I guess I guess you're right. I didn't think of it. And I, I don't okay. think it would have been appropriate anyway. That's a YouTube thing. It's true. Uh, yeah, the YouTube with the extra specials. The extra specials. Not that anyone has to follow us on YouTube. We're not trying to get subscribers or anything. But if you want to subscribe, go ahead, whatever. That's Yeah, like, it's just not it's just not an episode that would really like flow from a podcast perspective. No, it was just, so we it was, just don't want to include it. Was it was a on random podcasts. random conversation you'd have in a grocery store yeah. aisle because you're being obnoxious blocking grocery style because you need to have a conversation. Or even better, do people do this where you live, Fox? Because I don't know if the the norms of your small I don't live in Seattle, I live in this island that no one lives at kind of thing. <laughs> do people when they see someone they know in their car on the street decide to roll down their window and stop and block all traffic in their neighborhood yes. so they can have a conversation until someone comes like to move their car. Yes, people will do that all the I time. I fucking hate those assholes. Yeah, fucking call them on the phone or get out of the car, you piece of shit. At any rate, <laughs> I focus on optimization of my jobs. I don't know how that came up. That's just, I don't know. You're not any less wrong, though. Like, you're not wrong though like it's uh it's definitely bullshit uh i sound like a grumpy old republican uh nonetheless now that i'm saying stupid things too um <laughs> i approach my job optimization in a very uh haphazard way just as all things i do are impulsive and not thought out kind of like uh hey honey you want to just go to gaza and something you know it's something i would just do it's just just random not to, not Peter Griffin levels of, of retardation, but just kind of, you know, haphazard. I pick a job in no current way, and then I work on that job by playing it. And generally, when I feel I have a shortcoming, I focus on that shortcoming until I can uh, remedy my shortcomings. I often just make sets for things I never thought need to exist. Like, I never thought I would need an evasion set on blue, even though that was a thing back in the day in Abyssia. So that's yeah. that's a recurring theme because Blue's always had I mean, those evasion traits are new, but Blue's already had some level of evasion trait, and AOE burning was always a thing. So doing it in Omen or Odyssey is nothing new. But I never thought I'd have to have a set for that, and that took some optimization and working things out. I never thought I'd have to have a set for Puppet Master, where especially because I'm not done making sets for Puppet Master, I did not have a DT set in my Glua. I had all the functions for it. I just had. You know, all the, the arrays were there. It was just empty. There was no gear in them. So yeah, I, it yeah. I had to add one to the index there. And now I have a pet master DT where I have cap pet DT if I have both optic fibers and two armor plates on with an earth light and fire maneuver and just accessories, but master gear so that I can stand and rage in my bows or TP moves and not get killed, which honestly is not a bad set in general because there's times where you're in big danger on pup. You don't always have the room or the ability to make, you know, get away perfectly with, you really want to cat pet DT, but you don't, there's a lot of times where you're in a lot of danger if you're running up in Taeon and Enwix a lot or, um, or just um, the stupid Rao gear plus one. Uh, obviously Taeyeon's a little more fragile than Rao, but it's not that much difference, honestly, compared to Malignants, especially. So, even Empaka. So, especially because is nice for having the pet level plus one. So, making a set of Empaka feet with Malignants gear, and maybe even just Malignants feet based if you need really need the magic evasion, is not a set I typically thought I'd ever need to have on Pup. But then when I sit down and make that set, as you do, uh, I have to optimize, and just things kind of cascade from there in every job. Yeah, and the 
the, the thing that you had mentioned that is actually the most impactful out of all of that was that you said that you go and you play it. Yes. Very, very important that a player, when they're deciding to upgrade something or, or to optimize something, or if you just want to like tweak any builds or, or come, even come up with something new or a brew on your own, you need to go play your job. You can't just like plug in a bunch of theory crafting call today and think that that set's going to be viable. Um, you, you actually need to go out and just see how it actively performs. And you, you probably want to go out against varying levels of difficult content too. Like you want to start small just to make sure all the swaps are taking place appropriately. You're getting the results that you think are going to be optimal and that you're really supposed to be getting. And then you kind of like ramp it up to the next level, maybe fight some NMs with it real quick. Like I'm talking about like tier one Ryzen Jima stuff. That's generally what I'll do. Um, I'll go through and just see how, how that actually changes performance wise. And then maybe I'll dabble in like soloing some omen with it. If you notice, I'm like, I'm like building it up. So this way I get to fight like a quote unquote real boss. So I'll go fight like Jin or something that's like much higher level. Um, see how it's applicable there. And then maybe at that point, if I feel like I've found a reason to use this and that it really feels like an applicable thing that I've just built, um, I'll then try to uh, bring it to group content or something. I, I, I would never try to optimize something and just immediately bring it to like group content where people are like relying on me, um, especially if it's been theory crafted. Because if that fails, all of a sudden you just failed for everyone around you. So, I mean, you still want to take your party into consideration. So I think the birds will not be audible because but when I put the I'm sound things. There. No, I, I'm not worried about that part. It's just I've shared how the birds are a meme for Karen and I, right? I know the you I have, but I don't know if I have in the podcast. Yeah. I don't, I don't think so. I don't think I have where we've made the birds. Carrot and I have a joke because I'm going to it only came up because I heard the birds when I was going to mention Carrot because I'll say what she does with her weapons in a second. And she just made a Gastra that did not pan out after making a Gastra and 119ing it after glow and everything. Yeah, it did not do what she expected because I'll get into that. So the birds thing, because we haven't heard the birds in an episode in a while ever since I freaking lost my shit saying this episode's for the birds that one time. We haven't really heard them. And you won't hear them again this time, but I can faintly hear them. And they're conspiracy birds, Carrot and I. Carrot made the meme, but we share it. Where if we just start saying, you know, uh, just something random like tweet, 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 steal, uh, jet fuel can't melt steel beams. Just just something random like that. So, you know, tweet, 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 hoax a cost. Or if you're Turkish, tweet, 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 general lie. The birds have to have some conspiracy attached to them that they're trying to communicate via tweeting. These are the birds that live outside my window, guys. The conspiracy birds. Birds. Tweet, tweet, tweet. Jewish space lasers started California wildfires. <laughs> tweet, tweet, tweet. Oh. <laughs> oh. Uh, okay, so what happened with Carrot is she made a gastrophes for her ranger for some sort of content, whether it was Odyssey, I think it was, or something like that. So she had her mule out, and she made a gastrophes in, like, has to be record time. It was just ridiculous. She was using her mule to get uh, extra points and stuff to do Odin to get extra points. It just as fast as you could possibly do any sort of. Maybe she had stuff saved up from a Nizal Isle campaign. I don't know. She was done in maybe a week. It was not even that. It just seemed like wow. like she was just done. Ridiculous. She she made Jihorn in like six hours one day or something. Or no, Aegis. I don't. Know. She made Aegis in six hours and just was done with it all the way. And I'm like, okay, that that's it for you. So she made a gasher for whatever reason. I don't know who put the idea in her head. Um, probably one of her crappy Link Show members. And then she made it, and then it's just she was just disappointed with it and never wants to use it now. And she like augmented it and everything. And I just, I was just like, wow, you just on a whim made something, didn't put any thought into it, and were disappointed by the result. How could that be? 
Yeah, I, I mean, I guess this kind of leads into a different kind of optimization where, yeah, you can have an idea like this and it could even be something that's established good like Gastrophides. Um, that's actually a very, very good weapon. <laughs> and rather than just bailing on it just because it didn't work in one specific scenario, like you would want to actually explore more about why. Like it, it's, it's very, why is one of the most important questions you can ever ask in life? Um, because having the answer to why will not only help you figure out a solution to it, but it can also make it so that you find out when it's actually applicable to use it to begin with or, or to approach that, that problem to begin with, you know? So I would actually ask why in this situation, I, like I, I have context as to why this thing has failed or, or what content it was used on. Um, I assume that the buffs were right because I, I assume that anyone in that kind of cookie cutter link shell knows how to buff for, you know, true flight. Mm-hmm. But what are the conditions? I don't know what the conditions were, and I don't know the exacts. I just know that she has like she has the relic bow, and she has like every weapon for ranger. And she doesn't really even play ranger too much, which is the point of what I was getting at. I didn't clarify that she doesn't really play the job. She'll get on it for like an NM and has the gear ready for it and geared up whatever someone else says she should put on. I think she's the classic definition of uh, face roll content you know i'm the best player end game kind of like link shell people because she oh just does whatever people say to put on she makes every weapon and just you know has the results that people think is really good so she's a very good player she's i'm not putting her down she's a very yeah. good player but she just kind of does that it's i'm running yeah sort of thing. yeah that kind of that kind of thing the thing yeah. the thing we make fun of yeah as I mean, we do I, I've seen a lot of people make Astras, and I've seen them underperform on the regular. Yeah, that's, I think, what the case actually was. Actually happens quite in, a bit. in any context, the case was it didn't do as much as X weapon. And there are just certain things you just have to be really prepared for. Like, if you're if you're going to build a Gastra, like, I, I would imagine you would want a bunch of different toggles as well. Um, I know that people get triggered Probably when I say that. But uh, you, I, I, it could even just be a magic accuracy issue. Yeah, I don't, fact, I don't want to speculate too much more on it. It was just, you know, it's a job she doesn't really play besides going to certain NM fights randomly. She used to play it in the past, but hasn't played it since, like, like when um, Adeline came out, she took it maybe to the bird for the uh, Delve. <laughs> and besides yeah. that, it was like she hadn't used it since. And then later on in Diversion, she hadn't used it since the bird. So <laughs> it's that kind of job where it stayed dormant for years and just kind of like, what gear do I update so I can get back on my job? And that's the kind of, like, that's the level of playing that's occurred in that job. You know, a lot of people are going to think too, like, Hey, all my Ranger needs is this Gastra now, you know, then, and, and they consider that like job optimization, you know, just to upgrade the Rima. Yeah. And it's not the, I, everyone, all the posts on Reddit and all the posts on auction house and all the King's horses and all the King's men couldn't put reason back together again. And fuck yeah, man. I always tell everyone because not that I'm always right. I'm frequently not. I'm often not is, that the armor and everything surrounding it and how you use that is more important than any weapon, especially considering how good ambuscade weapons are. Yeah. So, yeah, you can't just make... Everyone focuses on the weapon. They go, okay, I'm this, or they always shout for this, or I have this I can bring. It's like, I'm frequently disappointed with those people when I invite them. And I, whenever I get someone who says that, I'm immediately skeptical off the bat and don't want to invite them. And I'll ask a random yep. question like, well, I usually go to this one. Okay, they'll be like, I'm an R15 Masa Moon. I go, okay, well, how's your DT set? What are you wearing? And they kind of freeze or don't answer at that point. Yeah. That's the first question I ask. It's, it's a very basic one that should be easy to answer. I, you know, I use 
you know, I'm capped in this or I have more. Just tell me you have multiple sets for multiple things and you're capped or have this or that. And you give me the details if you want, but you're, you assure me you're prepared and I'll go. Perfect. That's all I need to know. That's all I need to know. And this is the way that you want to approach this, this, um, this topic too. Like when you're looking at your own jobs, think about like the most awkward questions someone could ask you to try to do on that job within reason. Like don't try to troll yourself because you would just be frankly, just stupid doing that. That's what I do. But like, imagine if some, if you're looking at your job, you're like, you know, how could I be, you know, better at what I do? And everyone can get better and get over yourself. Um, I'm still getting, better. if you cringe, if you cringe when, when you, when you think someone's going to ask you, Hey, how are your DT sets? Then maybe that's what you need to work on at this point. It's an abstract or, question. Hey, I'm a white mage. What if someone asks you what your bar spell potency is? Are you going to be ashamed to answer that question? Do you even know the answer to it off the top of your head? You know? Yeah, it should be three th- or it should be two thirty six. Yeah. I, well, yes for you, but I'm saying in general, as the person has the answer, they just kind of cast and don't think about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For one, do you even know the answer to that question? That's actually super important. You're right. I think the question for the uh, white mage should two, be your bar spell potency. Yeah. For two, if, if it's uh, that actually is mine most of the time. Um, it's a very uh, under-focused set for a lot of people who have shaken big white mages. And I think the answer you get is, but, hold uh, on, let me cast it. Yeah, right. And, uh, you know, your, your answer at the end of the day should be, hey, I don't want to be ashamed of this. It should be 236. But Fox, you're telling me to have maxed out gear. No, I'm telling you, you should strive to have maxed out gear. So not in the two distant past, I had worked on the Rune Community Guide again, which was... Mm-hmm. A deep dive I've mentioned a couple times now in the show, but fits in perfectly again here. And just looking at every set, because when I picture when I think of Rune now, I used to think of it as uh, segmented, like I'm DDing on Rune or I'm casting Temper on Rune. I want the best Temper possible, which Temper is a bad example. I'm casting, <laughs> you know, a bar spell on Rune or something. I'm just going to wear duration gear and it's my bar spell. Who cares? I'll put something like a D ring in. I'm good. But when you look at it as a continuous, free-flowing sort of thing of you want every set to have similar HP if it's possible without compromising too much. You want to focus on mm-hmm. what you can get in there. And, oh, I as long as... Because for me, as long as I'm not casting Phalanx or Temper, I know that my... Because my, you, you know, I start looking and go, okay, I have to put on a the Moonbeam Cape in the back here for bar spells so that my HP is high enough when I'm capping bar spells because before it was dropping me down and I may not cast bar spells often, but especially with Odyssey NMs, I definitely am now. Um, So when you start looking at everything as a continuous set where you're changing gear, but you're keeping DT in some capacity and HP if possible. So you're not yo-yoing like, what is it? Um, Is it Hayden? Whenever he does Savage Blade, he goes down to like, he loses like a thousand HP constantly and he's constantly going into yellow. I don't even know how that's possible. First of all, it's it's because he has a lot of uh, augmented gear. I don't <laughs> just that amount of that. That's that when you see that happen, that is people swapping into uh, DM augments. I have not seen that level of. Have you seen my Paladin Savage Blade? See that? Well, yeah. See, I, dude, I, I dropped from like thirty four hundred HP down to like seventeen hundred. <laughs> it's so, stupid. Yeah, outside of weapon skilling on Rune, which frankly, if the content's hard enough, where I don't have to. Um, and I'm holding hate and the fight's not going to be changed by me DDing like in ambuscade this month, I'm just going to town DDing cause that's it. In the past, I just try to DD yeah. whenever possible on ruin where I shouldn't be because I want to hold hate and it helps me hold hate, which it's still important to do that, to hold hate. But if I don't have to, I don't want to now. 
because it doesn't matter. Um, but thinking yeah. of everything as a continuous set where if I like people just make a fast cast set. This is something I've done for many, many years until I started optimizing it on starting with blue and then going to root and everything. You make a fast cast set, but your MP will drop down typically in your fast cast set because of fast cast gears and have MP on it historically different like loquacious does, but other things don't like um, the fast cast neck does not your back's not going to generally depending if it's like an ambuscade cape. So you'll yeah. lose like if I'm losing 200 something MP just to cast every spell all the MP in my other sets is entirely wasted. Black Mage has had to experience this a lot with death in the past. Oh, yeah. So focusing on keeping things... I don't do the HP thing on blue yet, because Rune Fencer is more sensitive to it. It needs to... Paladin Rune Fencer, in my opinion, should have HP. I agree with that. That's why I list HP in all of the sets now in the community guide, where I didn't for years, because you can now see every set and how it will impact you in a certain way, and how I've made certain choices. And doing that, it took me a week to do, and it took many hours to do, and I haven't even fully made my sets the way I put them in the guide because I haven't stopped to do it because I'm working on other things. But that's exactly optimization that you can reach, and you don't have to go that deep, but that's that's what you do. Yeah. And I mean, that just stems from a result of just people asking themselves obvious questions. Like, yeah, when you ever see people's like HP yo-yo, like the example you used, you know, it, it raises a question. Either you're going to ask your tank why that's happening. And, and obviously, I, I generally won't because I know what's going on. But like a lot of times, like newer players, they'll be like, man, your HP's dropping a lot. And sometimes a lot of new white mages will be like, man, you're sure taking a lot of big hits. But but you're not. It's just your H, it's just your swaps. Like you're actually tanking, like receiving damage just fine. But your your swaps are weird. And a lot of times, like newer players won't realize that that's not strictly a negative thing. Asterix. But, uh, you know, it's basically the, the the more you can fit into more situations and like the easier you can do it, the easier it is for you to just do your job and move on. So like from a tank's perspective, if you can like ask yourself, Hey, is there a way that maybe I can make my HP yo-yo less? Then you can go through and just like kind of pick and choose through your sets, how you want to change that. Um, I personally like to start with my accessory slots because they're a lot less, uh, they're a lot lower impact, especially with fast cast pieces. What the unmoving collar, right? Or is that the I don't think you yeah, un- unmoving collar was a huge one for the plus 200. If you can get that R15, um, Twisto earring, um, was really really good. Uh, that you can get out of domain invasion. I actually use that in a lot of sets. I use the Atollation uh, earring because it's 50 HP MP and one percent less fast cast. I don't use yep. the encanters or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. I'd rather have one percent um, like, short. A lot of times it's not going to make or break you, especially on a tank job if you lose like two percent fast cast here and there. Like, obviously, you don't want to make it add up so you only have, like, 40% total because there needs to be a change there somewhere. But I've never had a problem, like, when I used to sit at, like, 62. Like, I never really had problems casting stuff because a lot of the spells you cast are going to be very quick. Like, you might have issues with, like, maybe Stone Skin or Aqua Veil, but there are other SIR sets that maybe you should ask yourself if, if you've built at that point. You know, can you optimize your character further to fill in those gaps while you try to, like, round out your fast cast sets in the future? And, and that's where Spicy's talking about, like, it's an ever-flowing, like, like, evolutionary thing for your character. Like, as you make one set stronger, it can actually make it so that the rest of your sets can become stronger off the back of it. And if you keep doing that, eventually you'll come full circle into this point where you think you don't have anything else to upgrade. And at that point, you just need a string of failures to tell you where to upgrade next. Or to make a new set. They say sets, they are a river that flow. <laughs> 
Uh, so Carrot's here, by the way. She just came in, and I have to Hello. ask for clarification on the gastrophes thing. Yeah. What about it? Why was disappointment? Oh, someone told me I was going to be hitting straight nines with no buffs, and, and sadly that <laughs> oh, was God. it. Why would you make them believe them? What? Yeah. Why would you what? believe them? Straight I, nines I with no buffs. Straight nines with no buffs? Why does that sound that it's like, uh, get rich quick? Yeah. I just had that solid snake moment where you get caught, or like, where, where the guard, like, catches solid snake. Ta-da. Yeah, like, the moment people start mentioning no buffs, something has gone wrong. Yeah, straight nines, no buffs, get rich quick. Yeah. Yeah. That's not going to happen. So thank you for clarifying. Wait, wait, so why'd you make it then? Well, I mean, it's not like it's a bad weapon. It's good to have no, it. Oh, it's great. You're not wrong. It's great. I would just try to find out why that person's bad, I guess. Wait, who suggested this? I, I do not want to name names. Was it me? Or was <laughs> it No, uh, very Galka. Oh, uh, was it the Galka that was only savage blading? No. Okay. It's probably the king of Galkas. Oh, God. Oh, was, oh, did she just slap my leg? <laughs> it, was it really King Galka? I don't... No, please. Well, you just no slapped names. my leg, so why, no if you names. said King Galka and you reacted no that names. way, obviously. No. Wow. I wouldn't worry about that's, it. That, that that's a very... That guy usually doesn't know what he's doing, so... That's a, that's a clear example of it. That's a very King I've, Galka. I've, intera- I've interacted with that, that fellow in the past quite a few times. I love how I love how Fox goes, King Galka? It's, just, it's a Galka. <laughs> Case, I was trying to think of Galkas who pretend they know what it was either that or Che Guevara Hulk case closed well I don't think she would play with someone that bad <laughs> D levels to 98 nice. well to clarify anyway I don't want to dig carrot a deeper hole but okay I, at least I got you know more information about Gastra well to clarify the mob was like the V15 Delande or whatever so it was like oh you'll be shooting straight nines and no bus I'm like oh shoot really okay <laughs> Delande is the butterfly right? yes so uh, to put context into it, though, uh, what what kind of damage did you see with no buffs? Not good. Um, <laughs> Not I good. guess like twenty k's. Twenty k, yeah, and that that's that's actually reasonable um, based on what you're saying. So yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't feel bad about that damage. You were under buffed. Straight twenty k's. Yeah. Yeah, I would never never sweat that at all. Like you had no buffs. Twenty k sounds great. Straight nines minus seventy k. Yeah, seventy k and buffs. And that's a lot of times people like fail to understand what, what the multipliers do and stuff. And like when they start giving out advice like that, like you run into a lot of trouble because then you get people go out of the way to make these remas and not like Excalibur? You know, ask questions. What? Like Excalibur, she said. <laughs> yeah, like Excalibur. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, she made um, it. I'm kidding. I use it. I use it. Wait, do you now? Yes, yes. Okay. I still use it. You don't have to use it very often, but... I still use it. I think it's an important sword to make. I just very rarely um, set up situations where I want to like enhance my block rate with O-Chain. And that's usually the best scenario for Excal. See, I feel like I'd use it more than you do because I have different schools of thought about Paladin, even though I don't play it. It's yeah, 30 dummy, schools. dummy schools. Well, in situations where things have gone terribly wrong, like under buff situations, uh, you can run into situations where maybe you want to maintain Aftermath for uh, Refresh too. Like there, there's there's other reasons to use Excal. They just are very few and far between. But I'm always really glad when I have that weapon available, and I'm glad that I built sets around it to make it work too. You optimized for like, that weapon. Um, yeah, yeah. But I mean, should someone like immediately go out and buy it as like their very first thing? Probably not. I would just go get a Brilliance instead. And two, but it just depends with uh, mythic weapons. 
you know, it's I feel like you have to optimize for them more than you do for the average weapon because you have to put AM3 detection in your Lua if you really want to optimize and change your because if you're not if you don't have AM3 on, there's no reason you wouldn't use multi-hit like double attack. Uh, well, triple attack doesn't it, it still helps it's the equal number of hits i don't want to i don't want to go on this this tricky road here of trying to so yes. you, you would want to use multi-hit if your am3 is not up so you would ideally want to change sets to store tp after the fact when it's on so building for a weapon like building for the cat running around building for excalibur is the same as building for a mythic ideally even though excalibur needs a little more building but optimization isn't just oh gastro is really great you have to really build not only the the gear around it and your toggles. I don't know what toggles you'd need. I don't think you truly need toggles. Accuracy. Well, I mean, you should have a toggle for accuracy regardless. But you had to have you a, would group, think. a group built around it too. So it's not just, a lot of times these weapons everyone talks about, it's not just how you build your sets, it's how you build your group around that weapon too, because that's how it becomes viable. Yeah, the, the part of the why where you're trying to figure out when do you implement this. Because once you understand what you're doing, and, and people can can arrive at that that conclusion, you know, you can figure out, hey, Gastro is good for, for magic damage, right? But then you know, have to know how to apply it and how or, or where to apply it and how to apply it. So obviously, you're not just going to go in and shoot straight nines, as we've figured out from firsthand account against some content. If only um, if only Eric's is here to say straight nose. <laughs> but you, you, you then now know that you, you, you have this weapon with potential, but you then have to approach it in a specific way and you have to make sure that the content's appropriate for it and so on and so on. So you have to optimize your setup and stuff. And, and I mean, I guess that kind of like ties into strategy. Like if you, when you go to look at stuff and you have to evolve your strategy based on you know, your preconceived notions, you have to identify where your failings have occurred and then you have to be able to use those failings to then solve the next problem basically like they 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 all of your failings in this game and even in life are just roadmaps to how you can improve yeah and she came no, i'm glad she came in to clarify that but she's thrown me off anywhere i was thinking now i have my my mind's been cleared now of anything i was about to talk about besides building around weapons <laughs> oh I, I haven't talked about spreadsheeting i did mention that at the start yeah and i mean i i'm i'm one who does not approve of spreadsheeting you'll prove of how i use it What's that? You'll approve of how I use it. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's because a lot of times people will pick these things up and they get a number in there and maybe see that number replicated once and then they'll never question that build again. But that's not really what it's it's there for. It's there to show you if your idea before you go out and spend, you know, hundreds of millions of gil um, actually works and what it might provide you. Um, but at the end of the day, how you apply that or how you apply it to what strategies and what setups is going to change wildly over the course of how you play this game. So that's why I'm not as big a fan of them. But I guess you can explain that more because you actually use spreadsheets. As I'm saying this, there's feedback in the Discord about this would be a fantastic episode idea. I'd focus on stat thresholds, haste caps, fast cast, etc. And which set they go in. Definitely dueled mechanic. Well, we've done this. No, I'm not going to rehash dueled mechanics. Yeah, the mechanics episodes. And numbers required slash haste value. I don't know about that. That's a little That's a little more FXI math YouTube channel. Um, no, I, I talked about this on the mechanics episodes. Well, yeah, you did. That, but I mean... I mean, I, I was thinking more specific than maybe we did. Anyway, if you're breaking it down by job and all, obviously stuff like inspiration counting towards fast cash should be discussed, which is why, yes, I, I am five out of five in inspiration. Now, you could do four out of five, 
but at least four out of five because changing gear for HP. Because before I just done one out of five, so I could have merits in Gambit and just Gambit, I think. No, Rake, the Rake duration. Because when I had done that, uh, it was during the Black Mage time. And then even when that ended, we were still doing Black Mages for a couple things like uh, Zerd, and now you don't even have to do it at all. So I had kept those Rake merits all these years and never changed it, and still had one in the 10. One out of five for the 10%. That's what I was thinking. Um, fast cast and gaining the extra fast cast. Not only does it help my mid cast on Rune Fencer, especially, but it keeps my sets because the time you're most likely to die on a tank is when you're not in your tanking set. So having better mid cast sets, you can't do anything about it. I mean, they're actually there. You can do stuff about your weapon skill sets with a toggle. You can change, uh, depending on what it is, losing a ring for D ring or something is very useful. And ammo is generally not that important, depending on what weapon skill is, because the knob is nice, but that's not for all jobs. Um, yeah. Rune gets it. I don't, does Paladin get knob? <laughs> knob. Uh, no. Okay, so Rune does, but otherwise you're not going to lose much by putting on a uh, staunch Tathlum and you got ammo slot and a D-ring. And, of course, you always have DT, PDT-10 on every uh, every back for a weapon skill. So mm-hmm. Some people do DT. I don't think that's reasonable because you always have Shell. You do not always have PDT, and the most dangerous moves tend to be physical because you when it's magical moves that are that dangerous you either have something like carols and bar spells and there's other forms of mitigation a physical move that's strong and it kills you you don't have mitigation where besides defense protect you know that kind of stuff and pdt so that is generally the correct answer but what i like to do is i like to actually just put the fucking set on and see what i'm lacking yeah that too because depending on what you're doing the dt could make the most sense overall for coverage but at that point it's not I keep a couple of Ob- yeah. Objolus needles around to change that if need be. But I mean, I generally, when I see I, a person with a DT5 back just randomly, I generally think they don't know what they're doing. I have exactly one DT5 back, and I think it's on Black Mage. And that's because the sets that I, I have that particular back in are so middle of the road that a middle of the road cape was the best option at the time. But yeah, most of the time, mindset at PDT, um, I actually have a lot of. MDT capes on Ninja because of how you can wear like specific pieces of magic evasion gear and they don't necessarily have DT on them like Kendatsuba for example um, like it's that's one of the jobs where an MDT cape is, is actually a good idea to have in some sets um, but yeah for the most part though PDT generally will take you a lot farther that's for sure um, so Martel followed it up too with something interesting that we haven't done a RuneFancer episode but um, be sure to consider that Inspiration bypasses the fast cast recast reduction cap, which is a big mouthful. Fast cast recast reduction cap. You can have 80% fast cast already and still get more recast minus with Inspiration, which is a good mm-hmm. point, which not why I did it, but it's also good because I don't wear 80% fast cast in my mid cast anyway. No one does, but maybe you have something giving you fast cast besides the roll from core the you never have. people around you will, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, know, actually, yeah, that's right. Like, like if you look at the Ongo fight, for example, a rune fencer that's providing that kind of inspiration during the Ongo fight to a black mage is actually a great thing because one of the things you fight are your recasts uh, when you're when you're nuking that. Yeah, that's actually it allows you to rotate through. I better. always forget that other people have it for what is it on for like three and a half minutes. It's a pretty good duration. Yeah. So a job like fast cast usually will cap fast cast on its own um, and have some fast cast in their mid cast sets. But a lot of times on those uh, heavy nuke sets, uh, you actually don't have like any fast cast in that set at all. Um, you might have some if you're using like Agwoos, which is an okay option. Um, but a lot, 
a lot of times you'll use like your relic plus three set, um, especially for that particular fight or some sort of mixture of. And having the extra fast cast you get from inspiration is great. Even if you somehow exceed the cap with it, um, you're just doing them a favor. Um, there's a lot of like white mage actions too um, that could benefit from that. Uh, sacrifice is one of those spells. I would love to have uh, recast a reduction that breaks the cap on sacrifice because waiting like the two to three seconds for it to finish is so much different than watching your erase be automatically back up again. That is, and in the heat of battle, that could be the difference between getting it off or having to carry again and not having it off or something that's for white mage. Those seconds are crucial. Yeah, and sacrifice is one of those spells where if you need to use it, there's a good fucking reason why you're using it. So <laughs> yes. Um, that's one you always want available. So at any rate, um, spreadsheeting and I. So I do look at spreadsheets like everyone else does and read them the same way everyone else does. I'm not superhuman. And I don't have the Fox knowledge. I mean, I, I have more knowledge now after working with Fox and doing this podcast with Fox than I previously did. Don't let anyone who reads a guide of mine actually think I know what I'm talking about. I don't. That's where they're just guides. <laughs> they're guides, so, not information series. Yeah. Don't trust any guide I've ever written. That's from the guy who wrote them. <laughs> so I will change my, as you do, uh, change my spreadsheets around so that I'm adding in things that did not exist. I'm not, because another problem with spreadsheets too is over time, people find errors or things get added to the change, which create further errors. And for example, the Dragoon one had a thing where crit was not being calculated appropriately for Edith. Yeah. Something, you know, yeah. things like that. And yeah, the, it was in other sheets as well. Just over time, those things, they don't make drastic differences, but they could be the difference between one piece of gear or not. And, and the way people focus on those razor thin Simon says margins in spreadsheet land, the, the, the 2% you'll never play up to. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And that's another thing too, is I, when I look at spreadsheets, I, a simulator is infinitely more useful, but the only person who ever put any kind of simulations out is Allstar, and all these people making these things lately on Auction House, like Daneblood, could really potentially be the world savior there by focusing on simulators. If that's in there, I don't know what's in his wheelhouse. I just see him making an updated FFXI calc, which is nice and all, but I'd rather just have the cool. FFXI calc have updates instead of a separate calc now. But who knows? I did like you. I've actually been considering breaking the calculator open and trying to change it. Yeah, that would be amazing because it's missing thing. He added in things there like a um, was it a cure calculator? It was it was just some other stuff in there. It seemed I, I had to pull this thread up. Uh, it's on auction house recently, like two three days ago. It was made. But before I get off on a cure calculator is really cool. Yes, just just while you pull that up, like having a cure calculator would tell you like at what point your your mind and your healing magic skill is going to be better. And I mean, yeah, there the are past. spreadsheets that do that too. They like, exist like, in the past, a, but they haven't been around. Yeah. But I mean, just having access to something that's with the rest of your tools that just does that as like a one-stop shop is something that people is actually going to use. Whereas nobody nowadays is going to go out of their way for a cure calculator. They're just going to co- copy paste what's in the healing hands version three and call it a day. Oh, okay. Here it was uh, cure calculator plus or FXI calculator plus. Um, it is just a few calculator that can be handy to have around, or if you are not wanting to deal with the full DPS spreadsheets, uh, cure calculator, curse <laughs> calculator, recast calculator, which is, I think the big one for people and yeah. TP gain calculator. And he's looking to add a nuking calculator and improvement to TP calculator to include dual wheel slash weapon delay. 
Does the TP gain calculator do things other than just X hits? I like, does it talk about it's like TP attacks per 100? Or? But FFXI calc itself already has that, so it would have been nice if, like, Cure Calc, I think it's already, Cure Calc's probably in it. I don't look at that part, it's in it. I know the Stone Skin's in it, but Kursna is not, and Recast is probably not, and TP gain already is. So it would be nice to have just kind of added that to I mean, I know he doesn't have access to the FFXI calc, but since there was an update not too long ago to it, when you opened it, I didn't open in a while. Mm-hmm. So that means the person is still around probably in some capacity. So it'd be nice if just they emailed that person instead of making one that is deficient as the, you know, completely existing one. But anyway, I changed my spreadsheets around to start putting in DDEX and things, uh, making cells that show DDEX, F strength, uh, see if I'm at PDF cap in my TP slash in my weapon skill sets and things like that. My accuracy is there obviously, but I will you know, actually pay attention to that little area. I On the Thief one, I wanted to add evasion in to focus on, focus on evasion sets, but I just don't think I need to change my spreadsheets to add in evasion to all the gear. And I don't think I had to do that. It's a lot of work for, wow. me, for nothing. So I, I don't use these spreadsheets. Like you had to add DDEX into the Thief it's, No, it's it's in there. It's just not, oh. it's, <laughs> don't get me I wrong. I was like, holy crap, what the hell's going on? What I, when um, I'm, I'm, yeah, that's my bad for not explaining it. I'm seeing it in my head and not explaining it appropriately. Oh. What I do is I will add that to a blank cell on the page that everyone looks at. Um, oh, you have cool, your you're going to make it visible. Yes. On your, instead of being just purely in a data tab, it's displayed constantly and updating constantly as it does. You just don't see it. Um, right next to, uh, you know, like the, the FPS, the FPS, the DPS total on the spreadsheet and the weapon skill total and all that, I'll have the PDIF because on Thief, when you sneak attack or trick attack, it's a crit now. So your PDF cap is higher. So when I'm thinking about things like gluddies, I want to know if I'm even capping PDF. Because just because I'm capping it yep. in my normal weapons go set, not stacked, doesn't mean I'm capping it necessarily uh, in whatever situation I'm making up in the other one. Which is hard, too, because the spreadsheet, I find it hard to find dial into the exact situation you would be encountering in game where you are not likely to have that in between it's either capped or not capped scenario in the spreadsheet where you would be in game. But nonetheless, I'd like to look at those things to, just That's to good. see. Um, so what I will do is, especially for DT sets is what I do this a lot with when I make those up, is I will take, you know, like equal everything out between everything and then I will put in the gear and I'll start weighing the impact. The spreadsheet's telling me that it has on certain slots to focus on certain slots. And if it's really close, it doesn't matter. But I'll also start looking at the accuracy and, and see if I'm even capping DDEX. Because on Thief, you'll cap DDEX generally and stuff like that. So it's important to try and just keep different things in perspective. So I'll make different sets and see how far the spreadsheet tells me they're off in DPS. But at the very least, it lets me focus on certain impact slots. We know already that rings and stuff have certain values. But sometimes a Nikmadu ring an uh, overall DPS will have more of an effect than changing something else because the gear like a, a pair of legs between two pairs of legs something random it could be a piece of armor they're actually yeah. close enough that the difference between like an opponent's ring and the change of gear uh the ring has a more of an influence there and i'm only looking at large dps chunks i'm not looking for like 10 dps yeah. it has to be like like around 100 and nick, nick mono ring will generally have depending on if it's a hypo situation will have like 100 dps well, I mean, it's not as certain. It's not. It's not like literally a hundred, since I have to 
make sure I'm not and, doing what I'm seeing in my head incorrectly when I talk. But yeah, yeah, I yeah, and and to clarify too, like when we're when I scoff at like a two percent change, two percent on its own in a vacuum is a change that you will, like I said before, never play up to. Like you will never play to that difference. Um, but if you ignore a bunch of two percent changes, that's when all of a sudden you res- you start to arrive at like seven to ten percent world and. Those are things that you should probably pay more attention to. Uh, going back to what you're saying about PDIF, uh, I'm actually, frankly, surprised that motor spreadsheets don't show you PDIF. None do. PDIF they have in the data table. Because to go look at th- it. There's a lot of data there. PDIF is the number one question people ask me all the fucking time. And I think it's mostly because they don't understand what F-strength is or DDEX, so they'll never, it'll never occur to them to ask me what those things are. But most people have heard of PDIF, at least, and they know it has to do with attack. So just having that PDIF value there and knowing what your attack is when you're putting that into the spreadsheet is actually very important, but not for what you're gearing. That's What's important for that is to know what buffs you need to ask for given that loadout. Yeah, I try to change buffs around like, everything, too, when I'm doing it. And if I go down in DPS for a gain of accuracy or something... I will take that generally depending on how far it looks down or if I think a piece is only adding to white damage the sheet's favoring or if I think that I'm more conservative therefore my white damage will be weighed more I'll make certain changes or recommendations but I try to not yeah. just look at the end numbers like everyone does and see what how high I can pump the numbers with the whatever arbitrary buffs I put on I try to really read between each one of the lines by messing with settings and everything and then looking at what I have it takes me a long time to do this too yeah, so to put it in perspective, let's say like you 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 end up with a, a set on your sheet and you end up with like a 3.5 PDIF, right? Uh, for like a crit or something. Um, you know that I think you have to get to like a, a 5.0 mm-hmm. or something. So you know you have change. at least one and a half times more attack needed in order to get to where you need to go. And to clarify what I was talking about before, to get one and a half more times attack, you now know what to ask for as a DD and what the general consensus of the rest of your DDs in your group are and, and how you know that they're buffed or geared um you now know whether or not you need to add fury if you didn't have fury before or you now know you now know um, whether or not you need to upgrade from you know armor break to corrosive ooze like that change may not be necessary but if you find that that will allow your pdf to shift 1.5 times and that that stands to reason that you'll also shift everyone else's pdf by that amount if they have a similar amount of attack for you and because it's it's a, it's a ratio the whole way around. So um, some jobs will need more than others, and you know it just helps you get there. The PDF cap. I don't mean to interrupt you, but I am interrupting you. I just wanted to say the PDF cap obviously changes between. I don't want to say it's just five and change because it's not yeah. obviously. Uh, it depends on the job and the limit you're on. So, I mean, what job do we want to pick here? Do we want to just pick? Yeah, the, I was just given arbitrary numbers, but yeah, yeah. if you want, if you have the, I pulled, if you have the side I, up, I pulled it up. Yeah. So I guess we could just do non-damage limit because all the damage limit traits is just 0.1 per thing or your neck is whatever point value. So if it's point, if it's what, two, is it 25 on the limit? The PDL is plus 25 and a plus two neck, right? So that's 0.25. So it's either 20 um, or I think it's 15, 20, and 25 are the... Well, it, it multiplies against what you I'm saying for have. the plus two neck values that we get. Yeah, so if it's like PDL plus 8%, it means that it increases it your your actual PDL multiplied by point one point oh eight basically, so it becomes that much higher. It's not additive though. Oh, okay. I thought it adds to yeah. the to the well, level of well, it's not. I thought additive is in the limit, so it's not. Yeah, it's it's weirdly worded, but so um, the, the total separate, sum yeah. of your PDL gear is then multiplied. Uh, basically, it's it's one plus 
whatever the percentage is, and that number is multiplied against what your PDF currently sits at to form what your new cap would be. So you then still have to exceed your attack, obviously. I'm just expanding on the idea right now, but you then you have to exceed your attack by X amount, and you actually have to reach that cap. Like, it doesn't help you reach your cap either. Um, this, this was part of the calculations I, I ran through with Martel, I think, four months ago, um, when he was talking about that uh, that crit thing on the Dragoon sheet. And I was uh, I was helping him out with the um, with proofing the math that him and Simon says we're going back and forth about um, regarding like where that PDF applies and whether or not the site was right. Okay, so I, I knew that the trait was a point one per level. There, I did not know that the gear did not function the same way. Not that I the spreadsheet. I mean, I had to double check the spreadsheet to make sure it's in there correctly now. But I, you know, nonetheless. It depends on what weapon you're using and what job you're on. So a Dark Knight would have like a yes. 5.5 limit on a crit for a scythe, but uh, a two-handed weapon would be 5.25 for a Dark Knight. Or if you're a Dragoon, pretty much almost five. Yeah, when I was pulling out PDL number or, or uh, PDF numbers, like the, the ratio earlier, I was just pulling numbers out of my ass just to show like what you look at on the sheet and how it's different will show you how much attack yeah. you need to ask for. Correct. That sort of deal. Yeah, but that was not a hard number, anybody. Like that's not... Uh, that's definitely not like what it is unless that's what you're actually finding on the site right now. But yeah, I look at all those things and I typically tend to think that the spreadsheet favors unrealistic things like having AN3 constantly on in a vacuum or um, focusing on white damage a little more, things like that. Yeah. And even just consistently being an attack cap too. Because there's a lot of things that mobs can do to change that, whether you're getting dispelled or they're increasing their defense or lowering your attack. Like there, There's all sorts of things that happen. So you may see a number in there, and then depending on the target, you still have to be able to reason through, hey, I might need more attack than this because this target does X, you know? So just kind of keep that sort of thing in mind. It's really hard to judge your performance, too, because you can have whatever... You can have whatever Dragoon set I put down. It doesn't mean that's what my set looks like in the guide or... They, I, they generally do follow that because it's I'm making them for my use, obviously. Uh, but I'm not on Dragoon enough to know. I used to be on Dragoon a lot. I miss Dragoon. Uh, Odyssey's made it really rough on Dragoon. <laughs> I know, right? Well, yeah. I mean, you can always grab a polearm and a sword and go to town. Yeah, there's always Bumba. There's <laughs> always Bumba. There's always yeah. Bumba. So I will not know from playing the job. I guess it's always going back to playing the job. This episode is the secret. The secret word of the day, uh, Pee Wee's Playhouse here, is play the job. Ah. Yeah, I guess we're not going to worry about too much about strategy on this episode. Maybe we should just focus on the optimization, maybe do strategy later. I was think- strategy is like an approach to content. I was thinking that too. So instead of being yeah. instead of being what the fuck in Vonadil, our job optimization and strategy will just be job optimization. Yeah. Being able to identify where shortcomings are and then knowing the appropriate way of working on them. Um which is not copy pasting. It's uh, actively going out, finding where that failing is, and then identifying where that might be in your build. So I know you probably still haven't sat down like a K parser working because you were busy having a chimichanga or something. Uh, no, fucking K parser. It's really easy. You just like I, I I got I got parse going. That one was super easy. Well, yeah, you just just loaded it. But it's way better than scoreboard. Yes, it is. Um, I need to replace scoreboard because what I was honestly thinking of doing is just running k parser during our odyssey runs at this point to find out exactly where my shortcomings are based on mob like i know pucks have more evasion and to see the general value i need here because i'm just kind of winging it 
right now I'm like, oh, that should be enough accuracy. And then I, you know, I'm like, oh, I think I'm not capped right now. And then if you, if you just parse, post your parse of your accuracy then of a run with scoreboard or anything, it's going to tell you all the things that are not helping you. Like, oh, you fought Chigos or Pucks with more evasion. So now your number is different than what it was against stuff you were capping on. Or not that you wouldn't want to have an increase, but maybe you were fighting the Chimera to the perfect dodge or something, and now you don't have a usable value. Well, it's still, not that it's not usable, but it's going to be off. Yeah, the um, the accuracy parse is probably one of the most useful parses for a DD. That's for sure. The damage one doesn't really matter. There's so many factors that can go into that. I hate when people post But it. the accuracy one, like, basically that is you doing your job at that time, and that's the only time that needle's going to move. The DPS one is usually good going to be relative to anyone else doing damage which is carrots group posts the scoreboard dd parse after a run i'm just like why why it's odyssey that's not a valid representation of job dps and efficiency i used to do it when i won parses on ninja (laughs) well that's different like when i win the parse on puppet master and a pug vd ambu (laughs) that's embarrassing and that's when i would post that i usually just post the accuracy too I'm not doing it to embarrass anybody. I'm just trying to show people that the ninja is a relevant job, for example. Um, but the accuracy parse is way more important, though, because that's that's you. That's like the biggest thing that you can do is make sure that you're hitting the mob in order to do more damage to it. I mean, that should be obvious to everyone. But yeah, like posting the parse, like the damage parse, like all that's going to do is really just make people feel bad. Unless you have like two identical Dark Knights or quote unquote identical, and like one of them is way lower on the parse damage wise than another then I guess it opens up conversation to, hey, how are you playing this differently? Or what sets have you toggled into, et cetera? Like, those, those kind of dialogues can be beneficial from learning how to play better at like, a player standpoint. But like just doing it just to parse shame people, that's really dumb. It could just be the first person who engages the mob. Like, that's usually how conduit parses go. Like, on summoners, it's just whoever gets the first one off. So, I, I don't know. Like, the damage one, I think people take out of context way too easily. Fox will push for everyone to have meds and several toggles to optimize DPS while you recognize most of the time shit needs to <laughs> needs to be done even if it's the even if it's the way under buffed and even under geared. Oh man. <laughs> I had to pull the email up. I know. Because <laughs> I've heard toggle maybe 17 times in this episode. Well, that's part of optimization. It is, it is. I wish I had the toggles that you have. Because when I hear toggle to me. That means I'm changing the function of my gear swap to do something it doesn't typically do. Like I'm toggling into a spell interruption rate set where my normal casting's not, or I'm toggling into a DT set, which is more normal than I'm toggling into, toggling into. And when I hear you say toggle, I think of it something like the toggle I have for Blue Mage for uh, Cruel Joke Evasion Burning, where I'm tanking the uh, Fetter thing and I have the mm-hmm. mobs on me, and I can't drop out of evasion gear. So I have then a lock-in for evasion interruption rate, which is not the name yeah. of it. It's just evasion or whatever. And yeah. I will not change my evasion gear out besides a, like a couple accessories that didn't matter for fast cast for any blue mage cast because I am i don't want to die from all the mobs hitting me. I can't sleep. Yeah, these are optimizations you can make. Obviously, I would push anyone I work with to try to make these optimizations, but I never require them. But it's I just, not like I go up. It's not like I go up to Abject and I'm like, "Hey, Abject, uh, show me all of your sets on Scholar, for example." Show me no, your toggles. I, 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 yeah, show me all your toggles, dude. 
show no, me your I moves. Know he's gonna, I know he knows how to do his job, so I just let him do it. But if I see something where like somebody explodes because they ran into a cloud of mobs, I ask them what's going on with their toggle. That's because it's just cast, reasonably yeah. makes sense that you are not in your evasion set. You are probably in your refresh set. So, yes, I have an expectation that people will try to build for toggles, but I, I don't. I don't like put that expectation on anyone. It's just in my mind, I just assume people want to be better at stuff for basically free. All, well, my, all it takes is effort. My point was when I hear you say toggle, I immediately go to the don't take your evasion gear off in your evasion set toggle while, <laughs> while casting something toggle. I don't think of like put DT on toggle, which is what people traditionally yeah. think of when they hear toggles. Okay, DT mode on. Yeah, with, with Blue Mage specifically, I, I did a lot of stuff with the evasion one, like you were saying. Yeah, like just, that one, it really helped with performance too. So anyone who's having issues like and stuff, yeah, like evasion in your midcast is, is pretty important. Like you don't have to go overboard like I do. I think you do a better job of it than I do. But I go overboard on it and like my accuracy suffers a little bit like on some spells. Oh yeah, you do go really overboard. That's right. Yeah. I, I basically hold the evasion throughout. Like I never dropped any kind of evasion that's dangerous at any point. Yeah. Seeing too many things wake up and murder certain people in our party who aren't me and you. <laughs> You're going to have to clarify when you say toggle, though, just what kind of toggle it is. Is it a basic toggle or is it a fox toggle? It's just a, it's, it's a Boolean toggle, which means true-false. Like, is it on or is it off? If it's on, all it means is that I'm going to switch into sets that are favor evasion. Okay, so I, I wasn't thinking in a Boolean matter. I was thinking like what I had to do for Puppet Master, which learning how to do that was super valuable because now I can apply the same concept to uh, Blue Mage because <laughs> now not, I have to put... Because what I try to do in Gear Swap to make it super functional, I hate the other ones out there. It has to be, one, particular to me because it's me. And two, it has to be min-maxing. It has to be getting the most I can <laughs> out of the fewest number of buttons. So... And making other jobs try and play similarly so that um, the weapon skills may be on different keybinds, but if I hit DT, it is always DT for that on every job, you know. And not every job plays that way. Pup is differently because it has a pet it's... that has to also change. I, I can only have so many buttons and I have to... But what I will do, that I learned to do with Pup to try and do that, was to have a toggle, an array <laughs> there that is just simply... Uh, an overlaying array there. So it's TP mode will be just a toggle that's literally the same way you do a set where you have accuracy, attack, or in mine, there's attack cap. Not everyone does that. I don't mm -hmm. know what yours looks like. But just making that, and it just literally says uh, TP, whatever. So it's an index, and one, two, three essentially will be what you have there. So learning to do that for PUP, where it'll be... It, making just another layer of nested code there for how messy mine is, if anyone's ever seen mine, uh, making a thing where you will toggle like you would any other set, a TP set to another, you know, from normal to accuracy, except that toggle does nothing besides just change nothing. It just changes the value one, two, three, which changes nothing for <laughs> you, but for your rule order will be, if I toggle this, then instead of being spell interruption rate, it is now uh, evasion interruption rate or something ridiculous and yeah. it's it's so simple but i never knew how to do it for the longest time i gotta finish my puppet master one and put it out so people see exactly what it is because it's so basic but it had just had to be done in a way where i could be uh if um it was just i don't remember what i named it but if this equals one then do this otherwise if this equals two then do this it's just naming the index so you can call yep. the index based on where you toggled it 
to impact all your other sets. Absolutely. Um, I, I, the most work I did on that one was uh, on my Paladin one. Um, my cover sets change depending on what idol set I'm in to adapt for having like the Cabalarius body on. And certain Paladins will feel a certain way about that. Like I just prefer to have the Cabalarius body on and I, the sets are built around it so that I'm not impacted very heavily like magic evasion wise, etc. But like if I'm covering someone, I want to get the most out of it. And all of my sets interact with DT differently. So, like, for example, when I have cover going, um, it will actually read the indexes on there and determine what set I'm going to be in based on cover itself. And it'll lock that until it's off. So, it, like, when I built that Paladin Lua out of your Rune Fencer one, it actually took a couple of ideas. Like, um, it took the, um, the whole, like, Doom idea where it locks certain pieces of gear in for Doom. And I, I optimized it to instead uh, affect it to check for cover. And then when it checks for cover, it locks body slot, and then it replaces my idle set indexes with um, my cover indexes in my uh, in my Paladin Lua. So it just made cover that much more powerful without being as cumbersome as it normally is. And it allowed me to just sit down, build out a set that works with cover uh, with Cabalarius body, and you know not have it impact me by like just copy pasting the Cabalarius body over what I already have because you could like overshoot on DT or not have enough magic evasion and just kind of makes a bad set. So here I'd made a really simple integration to something that you provided. And the optimization is where I just kept it as simple as possible because a lot of times the best ideas are the most simple ideas. And that's how you should really approach the things when you build them is just make it as simple as you can. And it just, just works out. So it's just kind of an example of an of like an optimization that took place that sounds complicated, but it actually isn't. And it just streamlines something that's very underused because it's too cumbersome to use in most scenarios. I've had to get really granular too because it started with my thief evasion where if I get stunned or slept or something, it'll take me out of whatever set I'm in and put me in like a catch-all, super DT, nothing focused, like a water's charm, full malignance, those kind of stuff like that. Um, mm. But the problem is I would be in evasion on thief trying to like not die and have mobs on me <laughs> and I would get stunned or something. And then it would take me out of my evasion gear. I'd stop evading and die. So I had to be, you your, your I had to add a rule in there, uh, you know, if the gain those buffs and not in idle uh, IND yep. equals equals four, then, and I had to make those rules like uh, dream flower. It's if uh, idle, because I have, I used to have three idols. I may be going down to three again. I might get rid of one of the. We're going items. down the darkest rabbit hole. I know, but it, until the evasion thing was hit, I had to add a fourth idol set in my idol index. So now my evasion one is my fourth idol set. So I have to press the button three times. And then when I want to go back to my refresh, I press it once. So I, it's easy to run that way. And then when I got to go back to evasion, I press it three times. I had to think of an easier <laughs> way to do that. But I do that the entire Odyssey run. You just don't oh, know man. it. I do that the whole run because I need the MP. So if this sounds like way too complicated for people, and I don't blame you, I like know that, that this is actually a much higher level of optimization than it may not be for you at this point. You know, you, you want to start small. You want to optimize where you <laughs> yeah, know you're going to get off there. <laughs> yeah. Like, e even though you're, you're kind of like downplaying like, like how, how involved this can be. And, and I mean, to me, it seems down, it, it seems like a small change too, but it isn't going to seem small to a lot of people, especially if they don't program or interact with Lua's, you know, stuff like that. Um, like, just know that this is something that you can build up to with the more understanding you get. So like the more, the more times you, you change your sets and decide to add something in, 
um, the more times that, you know, you open up the opportunity for you to go in and try to change that in like, say your Lua, if that's what you're working on and you get to, you know, test and see if it works. And then once you build that understanding on how that works, you can then use it in the future to build something else. And you're not only building your character, but you're also helping yourself be able to puzzle through, you know, how to actually implement these changes because how to implement the change is oftentimes just as difficult as knowing how to actually improve yourself. Oh yeah. I've struggled tremendously trying to figure out how to do things that seem like basic ideas, but don't know how to work them into Lua. You've been there for that with the puff one and you figure out the solution. It was actually rather simple. I just didn't have the knowledge, which is why, yes, this is at, I don't want to say it's at a different level. It's really not because I would like to consider myself humbly as like the average Joe. When I did BG, yeah. I didn't know how to do shit, and I just kind of figured out. I didn't watch any videos on it. When I, I still don't know how to do Lua. My Lua's, if anyone who knows how to program or code, I do not know how to, and making Lua is not knowing But code. you didn't bitch and whine about it. You went out and learned how to do it because you needed to know how to do it. But I didn't, like, I didn't, like, type in how to learn Lua. I didn't watch any videos. I didn't <laughs> listen to anything. I just, like, found someone's gear swap. Well, own, you know? I kept asking for help and being annoying, and then just in time and it was only help for specific things like how do i make this rule like the uh Mm -hmm. weapon recognition from dlsmd on bg's um lua help thread he's like one of the only people that posts there but he knows how to do things and he's made Mm -hmm. that weapon recognition which is crucial for my rune fencer lua so you can change weapons and change tp sets and things based on that nonetheless which i've used more times this episode than any episode combined so far nonetheless regardless (laughs) Irregardless. Irregardless. Oh, um, God. I didn't know. I like that word as a place. It has a place. It's not a word to some people, but irregardless has more finality <laughs> to it. I think it's a real use of speech. Irregardless. Uh, I didn't know how to do Lua. I still don't know how to do Lua. Mine are not that good for anyone who knows how to. So if I didn't know how to do it, and no one knows, I, I don't think I'm in any special advantage it here. It just takes effort. It just takes wanting to know how to do something. But if you. Take a Lua, which is the first step. Every No one's making their own Lua, even if they know code. They just find someone first to look at for ideas. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, you just take it, put your gear in. But over time, if you look at... I, a lot of times when I was trying to learn to do stuff, I would look at other people's Luas, and a lot of them are terrible because it just be moats, and you can't learn from looking at moats. That's not going to give you your answer unless you're using moats or cylindrals. Unless you're using those predefined functions there, you're not going to learn how to make things within that because they have their own overlay of rules there you know, it's funny i actually spend more time learning how to override moats than i do trying to integrate moats I don't use when, I, when i'm working on those luas and it's, it's not necessarily that i don't like it it's just it worked for me in the past and i don't want to change up the structure of how i play a certain job like my ninja is a good example of that i use moats lua for that one but it's heavily modified and uh i actually spent more time now overriding the moats features in that because i didn't want to have to build a new one from scratch like probably out of the Rune Fencer Lua again, because that's the one I, I, I go to the most it's a good base. when I build a new one. Huh? It's a good base. That's what I use to make the puppet one. It really is. Um, so what one. I'm talking about is, is Spicy's Rune Fencer Lua. Um, I use that as base for many jobs. Uh, Paladin, Dark Knight, Monk, uh, Blue Mage, but that's already its own. There's a GitHub slash Spicy right or whatever the fuck it is. It's in there. Yeah. It, it's actually a good one to use as a base. It's really straightforward and it's really editable. Like you can actually go in and, and change things once you get used to how it works. Um, the moats one though, like for my ninja, I had to go through and completely rewrite all sorts of crap. It had all sorts of crazy, like haste rules that weren't applicable anymore. They were so outdated. 
Um, it didn't like pick up weapon skill sets properly or it did so in a clunky way. So I had to completely override that and how it works. Like there was just a lot of things that went wrong. But I mean, I was at the point though where I knew what my ninja needed because I, I know how its gear sets work and all that stuff. Like I'm proficient ninja. And I then decided, hey, at this point, I need to make sure that this Lua does what my ninja needs it to do. Uh, so I just made sure all my gear swapped appropriately. And that's basically what gear swap is for. That's really all it was doing. See, I don't know much, but the one thing I do know is that Moats is really only gets in your way if you know what you're doing. And I don't have to know what I'm doing yes. to know that something that gets in my way and doesn't help me, as you're describing, gets in your way. And I wouldn't say, I mean, you're far more proficient at those things than I am. So, like, Mr. I'm going to open up the calculator and edit it. Um, <laughs> or I accidentally post solutions on how to bot things. <laughs> Which I've accidentally done in the help channel a few times now. My bad. Uh, I don't endorse that. It's just a solution to a problem. And you don't bot, so it's just funny that it comes up in a way that's like unintentionally suggesting to do something that's not... I just really like solving the problem. <laughs> My bad. But I, I realized what I was doing when I did it, too, and Martel had to talk me off the ledge on the last one. He's like, don't worry, man, it's not botting. And I'm like, okay. You're talk right, you right. off the ledge. Yeah. I think it was for um, when I, I when I was uh, helping him brainstorm a way to interact with the skill chains add-on and have it uh, detect whether or not you should be in uh, certain skill chain gear, etc. Um, you can actually have the that add-on work with gear swap to make that happen. But I didn't want to write the code for it, so I wrote it in pseudocode. And then I realized at the end of the day that I was letting skill chains like determine like that add-on determine like what my gear swap was doing, and I was like, this feels like automation. But then at the end of the day, it really wasn't because it was just more gear swap. So, I mean, it was, I, I mean, certain people are going to feel a certain way about that, but it's just your gear swapping in accordance to a situation to where, you know, if we were in Japan, you'd be able to swap that on the fly instead of having to worry about the latency, not, you know, making that work. So that's my, my gear swap justification. I'm sure someone's going to write something about. Oh, oh, going to get an email here. Uh, I see. That's nice. I don't. <laughs> I, of course, I like when we get emails, uh, even emails that are like, uh-oh, we're going to get a complaint. I, we haven't actually gotten a complaint. Well, you get you get emails. I, I get hate mail, Do you, apparently. What's your, oh, oh, the Fox thing. I, I don't see that as a complaint. I just see it as a guy. See, for example, I don't know what a code, as I've said seven times already. And when I hear you talk about yeah. making your the, the skill chain add-on interact with your gear swap, it's like, okay, I understand what he wants to do. And then everything else after that point, of how you would possibly have done that would be completely over my head. But spicy, I, I was optimizing skill chains. Yeah, 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 right. So it's helping Martell, man. I like to think that I'm at least the barometer there for what's reasonable because you don't yeah. have to know anything, but you have to have a desire. See, I'm stubborn enough to get the to refuse to not get the result. So at least in some capacity where I can be satisfied, I don't have to have it all. I just have to have something I can go. Okay, yeah, I'll take that then. I guess. Um, which yeah, and people shouldn't, people shouldn't take what I, what I say is like any kind of like bar or expectation either. I think we, I think too many people do that. It's just an idea that once you get to that point where you want to start exploring these things, like this is the way you can do it. Um, but I'm the first person who's going to put a realistic, reasonable expe expectation on this game as someone who obviously does way too much for it. You know, um, I don't expect people to go out of their ways and, and optimize things in, in ridiculous fashions. I just think that people should be able to play up to their potential and be comfortable with where their potential actually lives and decide for themselves whether or not they want to improve. So, Fox, when are you going to start editing the wiki then? 
I do edit the wiki. Yeah, yeah, I've seen you edit some things on Slowly. BG. I appreciate it. I appreciate. Have you it. seen the wall of text that is the Killer Instinct page? Uh yeah, that was good. I appreciate <laughs> that. That that needed to be done before there's nothing. Now there is light. Right. I I get to it when it's a big enough thing that I think needs attention. So I don't know. So at any rate, just wait until I update Shield. It's gonna be great. So that's how I use the spreadsheets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was that was the deepest, darkest tangent. I think it's still irrelevant stuff. Um, so yeah. you have to know how to just even if you know nothing and you're messing around with it, as everyone does, just trying to understand what it's telling you. You have to understand you don't know what it's telling you, and then try to understand what it's suggesting. Look at how your weapon skill is changing based on how much extra TP you're getting in your TP set from your store TP versus, you know, multi-hit sending you over. You know, you can't worry about what that means, but you have to understand that things are meshing in a certain way that are causing that outcome. So if you don't know what the outcome is going to be, but you can understand things are meshing in your sets, uh, whether you have an ideal amount of STP and multi-attack based on what weapon you're using in the scenario, whatever, perfectly getting the right SAM roll, something, you know, understanding that you should be changing that salmon a little bit to see what the possible variations are there and not building around cutting cards um or crooked card <laughs> crooked cards sorry cutting cards reduces recast uh, crooked cards yeah, building around crooked cards is a terrible idea yes and you see people put it in their sheet and it's not correct i don't care if that's what unless you're optimizing you know, for beating wave three dynamis in a more efficient manner which is silly then you should never do any. I do like the two. Well, a two lucky is the, all I want. The main thing that I see crooked cards for is a way to actually get to the physical damage limit and have that actually do something. Because I don't know if people have realized this yet, and I, I doubt that that's actually the case, but when you see PDL on there, it does not raise your attack with it. Like, you, have to, you have to not only... Yeah, it does not raise the attack ceiling with it. Well, I mean, it raises the attack ceiling, but it does not raise your actual attack with it that you currently have. So when when you are trying to gear for PDL, you are not trying to meet the PDF at that point. Like you're trying to actually exceed it to the point where that PDL threshold matters. So you have to you have to you have to go past the PDF that you previously had up to that number. And I don't think a lot of people realize how much attack that really is. So when it comes to something like crooked cards, that's like one of the main reasons you want to crooked something like chaos roll, because it can actually give you a tangible benefit if your if your DDs have PDL and that kind of. Quantity. And that's the big asterisk there because yeah, that's a big one. And I also want to say too, as well, that just because there's PDL on gear since it's more accessible now, like Gladys, does not mean that does not mean you're using it. Does not mean it's the best piece to use at all. Oh, that's a good yes, point. yes, 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 yes. This is huge. Um, so for a job like Dragoon, it is huge because of how Star Diver and good. things uh, impulse drive. Uh, Even Drake's Bane, if you're Drake's using Drake's Bane, yeah. is, yes, Drake's Bane especially. Actually, Drake's Bane being the biggest one. Actually, Drake's Bane. Period. Yeah. Um, understanding that that for a job like Dragoon is absolutely huge, and your potential increase there just thousands of DPS, literally. Um, but spicy. Do I use it on Sonic Thrust per second? Well, yeah, you know, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I would have to review what I have. I've examined <laughs> that, but 
it would not be most pieces would not be it would be like a couple select pieces but for you'll the difference you could see there is literally like 70k impulse drives uh with the proper pdf and stuff versus not 70k and 70k for a dd is pretty big fucking weapon skill damage asterisk to all things included there of course but on a job like thief you have someone i've seen simon say this in auction house which is why i'm Picking on Simon, I, as far as a person goes, Simon is an all right guy. I would have a beer with him. I said because he's in our Discord still. I would. I said one day we can go have a beer together. I'd be happy to do that with you, Simon. I think that would be fun and a good time. But I would absolutely fucking pick on him because he said the ideal set or whatever for evisceration on Thief is full gladys after the gladys set dropped. And I don't know if you made a video about it or not. I didn't watch his videos, and that is incorrect. And the same thing yeah. for Rudra Storm, incorrect. I have it in the Thief one. I updated that one part in the Thief guide. It essentially was just the head and body, I believe. Every other piece so. was not. Doesn't the body also have to have like a certain amount of multi-attack on it too? Mm, well, not for Rudra's, no, because it doesn't. Oh, not Rudra's. I thought you were still talking about Evisceration. Uh, yeah, for Evisceration, yes. Uh, having more multi-attack could be the difference or not for that. And that's if you're capping PDF there. So just because you cap does not mean you suddenly get rid of and this is unstacked Rudras. I'm not talking stacked Rudras where you'd need, you know, the extra weapon skill damage stuff and decks and stuff. That's part of the reason why is because other pieces with weapon skill damage and decks, like mm-hmm. say, uh, I don't know, DMR Lestradio Subligar for Oh yeah. Yeah. Lestradio Subligar is huge actually. Yeah, that amount of decks on it, yeah, the amount of decks on those legs is absolutely ridiculous because you don't get decks on legs, even on Thief. And you, you get Especially like not that much. you get like forty two decks or something fucking stupid for a weapon skill modifier that's like what eighty percent decks on Rudra's. So yes, yeah. even if you're capping PDF, you do not use and that's a very basic item that should glaringly jump out and bite Simon in his fucking spreadsheet land face. Is is Lestrado Subligar, all that decks there you are going to get more of a benefit out of that than putting on a little bit of extra uh, PDA or P, eh, PDIF in your legs there. It just doesn't move the needle enough there with no other secondary stats to really... If weapon skill damage is on it, absolutely go for it. But it's not. So just because you have the access to it now does not mean, hey, I'm capped, put all this on in every slot. It's not how it works for optimization. And with that said, I would still try to make sure you are always looking at the bigger picture too. Because, I mean, it's a that's a very general statement. And I, I, I try to talk about things broadly so that people can grasp it easier without being super broad about, hey, this piece is great for X. I mean, I'm sure there are situations where Lestradio Subligar may not actually be best. But those are going to be like yeah. very, very dependent on the rest of your set. Too. You're not capping it. So the what thief for all the clothes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you should you should definitely look at that piece as something to be used because it's probably going to be very good. But I wouldn't just slap it on and not give it a second thought later, you know, because maybe you need more attack in that slot or something. I, I you know, I don't know. Like, I, I could only be spitballing from here, but I would just be very careful about just looking at something like the Stradio Subagar, no matter how awesome it is. And I would probably use it in most sets. Um, there could be situations where it may not be the best accuracy. and you would really want to be able to identify that. Although the dex is really good for accuracy, but still you'd be missing it. It depends yeah. on the content. Usually it's very good. Usually on Thief. It depends too if you're using Centavente. Roy, there's a lot of see, there's a lot of optimization variables that come in there. Yeah. But especially for sneak attack in general, that's not a problem. Guaranteed hit if you're not accuracy. Yeah, yeah. Not a problem so that's another reason why you get away with it on thief. 
And Thief has better accuracy in general because you should have Ambush merited because there's nothing else better than merit unless you really want Aura <laughs> Steel. If you really think Aura Steel is making the, the difference in your play here, then go for it. But having an extra bit of accuracy and Ambush alone behind the mob will make up for the like slot where other jobs without an option. Not that it makes up for it, but also when I say yeah. things like, uh, of course, you know, it made me sound like I know what I'm talking about when I say because there's 80% modifier, the dex weighs more. That's when you don't know that. I don't know that. When I put it in the spreadsheet and I see the difference, I can then reason the spreadsheet is telling me that the dexterity on this piece yes. is more important than the uh, physical damage limit I'm gaining. And that's how you're supposed to use the spreadsheet. So when I tease people about how you don't use it, that's how you use the spreadsheet. Is this piece of gear more important? Everyone always asks. Well, you got to set a lot up to just test one piece of gear in the spreadsheet and you got to do a lot. To that's do also that. going to be the sum of the hole that you have plugged into that spreadsheet too. Correct. Yeah. And that, that's what people really want to look at. Like, the, like a lot of times people will look at a best in slot piece, quote unquote, best in slot piece, and best they'll just slap slot. it in there. And they're like, Oh, this spreadsheet shows that this is the best in slot piece. And then yes, there's correct. like no context as to what the rest of your gear looks like. And that's what I'm usually coming down on people for. It's fucking bad to do that. And you know, for all that we you start off in this episode too, where you're like, all we have to look forward to is Odyssey and there's no other stuff. This is the game to look forward to here when you go, okay, I have to work. You know, the game is gear. It always has been. That's that's yeah. the the oil and the engine here. It's the, the Bitcoin and the Bitcoin platform, or let's use something more exciting. <laughs> it is the Algorand in your Algorand ecosystem here, where the Algorand is the gear and the ecosystem is the entirety of Final Fantasy XI here. And... Yeah, that's 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 if you can enjoy that, you will never not enjoy the game. Yeah, just don't get stagnant. Yes, um, there's always something to work on. Um, if you are stagnant, then maybe you should take a break from the game, I guess. Um, I'm weird. Out, I've never needed to feel that. Yeah, I never feel that way because there's always something that I can improve. And I love solving puzzles like I will create puzzles just to solve them. And this game provides an endless ability for me to do that. I will say I have had times where I'm so overall, that would be my reason. overall kind of like, eh, you know, with the game. But then things change because I'll get interested in something else or another job. And that just quickly changes because yeah. I don't play every job. So when I mean, for all our Embo's failures, they suck. They, like, yeah, they do. Having I think we failed him. If we count the two or three V10 fails because we had some dead weight. And yeah, V10 felt so smooth as glass compared to V15 being like smooth as fucking Nine nails in your sack. But yeah, that's putting it lightly. Yeah, it's it's like it's like sitting on a bed of nails with no pants. Um, but for the twelve losses we've had or something recently, um, which is funny because the strategy people copy on auction house, they they just look at the win, and then when they lose, mm-hmm. they they don't go, well, they did it. Why didn't we? It's because that's like one of many attempts and people who are honest will even say, yeah, we lost maybe 10 times before we posted this video doing the same strategy every time, which to me is not the sign of a great strategy, but uh, the, well, yeah, you go. I, I mean, it, it depends like when it, when it comes to, and I kind of wanted to say this one for the strategy episode, I guess, but yeah, we, we can, I don't want to, I, I want to make, I, I want to make sure that, that people know that failures exist in this game and they shouldn't be discouraged by them. Uh, um, I'm considered not by myself, but by many people to be an excellent strategist like that. That's my that's what I'm best at in this game is, is being a strategist. And I'm not ashamed to say that we failed Embos on V15 as many times as Spicy said. In fact, I wasn't even keeping count, but he's most likely correct. Like, I probably we spent yeah. 
we have spent an absurd amount of time trying to clear embos with my ridiculous strats. And they keep um, the changing. important thing, yeah, and the the important thing about approaching strategy and actually being a good strategist is understanding what opportunity failure brings you. Um, don't be afraid to fail content because you're trying to build a strategy around what your group can accomplish. Um, and I didn't mean to get you on this all tangent it does, just because, you know, when I was talking about the game being fun and this and that, and I was going to say I get excited to just like, take Pup to Vembozno, even though it might fail too, but it's just something different to yeah. do. That's I didn't want to get you off on Absolutely. a strategy tangent because that is a different episode, I guess. I guess I guess it's a strategy teaser. Yeah, ooh, a teaser. Yeah, but to, to be good at it though, and, and I get excited about bringing ridiculous jobs to things too. I mean, that's part of the, the fun that our group has actually is that we basically come as like whatever, you know, garbage pile of jobs we want to throw at the mob, right? And kinda, sometimes, there's yeah. usually some some way to win it. Yeah, I mean, Especially like, my you job. just have to kind of, like, right? You just kind of have to work outside the box. I, um, I only have but, a few for those who don't know. But I I completely disagree with the with the idea that just because something fails means that the strategy itself is bad. Um, the strategy can be sound, but the execution can be bad. And then for the strategy just to be bad altogether, um, the strategists themselves are actually bad if you don't learn why that strategy failed and you don't improve yourself for it either. And so that of, should be a message for people who kind of get discouraged, I guess. A lot of what goes into that is optimization. Not to try and force yeah. it back to the topic, but it is literally what I'm thinking. It's um, true. I just have to take those disclaimers because I don't want to make it look like this is me forcing things <laughs> in a certain direction. It's not. Uh, optimizing your job will change the viability of a strategy entirely. So Yes. Oh, yeah. You, you have no idea. Uh, well, no, you actually do have an idea because <laughs> you, you watched it change. Um, so basically, I've worked with different people over the course of doing this whole Odyssey saga <laughs> that our group it has been a on. saga. And the strategies that I'm able to get away with now, and I'm going to say that because sometimes they are pretty loosey goosey. Um, <laughs> the strategies, the strategies that work now work because I know people can play up to the job potential that I have assigned them, basically. So you can only work with so much. Loosey goosey, look at you! You're like you know, someone slips something in my punch in this uh, this gala tonight. Right. Now. Ooh, loosey goosey. Yeah, well, I wanted it to be memorable. <laughs> Me saying Lucy Goosey because it's like an important point. I uh, had an extra hors d'oeuvre at that soiree last Tuesday. Haha. <laughs> yeah. It was a little Lucy Goosey. Like, I just try to make sure that um, that when I assess what jobs people can come as, it's not just because they say they have the job. I know what they can do with the job because that will change my role on how I want to use them in the, any particular strategy, basically. Like for those that don't know, I'm the one who goes through, combs through all the bullshit on how to do these NMs and decide and like writes out this ridiculous pseudo paper on how to how to approach this NM. An outline, if you will. That no one reads. But I, I still go through and I do <laughs> I it and then I have to explain it. it. I have to explain it verbally to every single person who joins the call. Can we take um, a but yeah I go through and I, can, I, I strategize. Can we this. take a second here to also go back to Felgar? <laughs> when you posted that I, strategy and he showed up on Pallet and he's like he's like he wasn't supposed to be on he was supposed to be on Bard and you're like I posted the strategy he's like oh I I just kind of kind of skimmed that I'm sorry I'll I'll uh, uh next time and then when I it came so the sad. next time and he got on Bard for some reason he had to you know write all his songs down and still <laughs> use the wrong songs that they were waiting for him to change zones he's writing his songs down for like ten minutes and he still used the wrong song. 
look, I give him a lot of crap and he deserves <laughs> it, but I do like the guy or I wouldn't have. He's, a, he's a very likable guy. He's a good guy. Yes. I, I do like Fogar quite a bit. He is not mean. And um, even when people pick on him, he really takes it in stride. So he's a special kind of doesn't get angry when people harass you kind of guy. Yeah. And I'm glad that, that he realizes because for people who do actually work with me in this content and stuff, uh, not podcast content, but like in the game content, uh, they know that I'm kind of an abrasive asshole a lot of the time. Like I will, I will literally call it as it is. Is that why I like go wrong? I Maybe, dude. But uh, yeah, like there, there are some people who may like get offended by that and stuff. And I'm just fortunate that I work with a group who understands that I'm doing it for the group's benefit, not because I just want to be an elitist asshole. So just putting it out there. It's a shout out to my group. Like they do a great job of um, bearing with me when I go on these crazy tangents on how to uh, actually approach content. And there's probably a simpler way to do it. Shout out once again to Ferlay of Carbuncle Server. <laughs> Right. So is there any optimization we haven't focused on? Because there's different sets you make after you play the job and go to content. There's looking at the spreadsheet to actually trying to interpret the tea leaves, as I call it, instead of looking at numbers. <laughs> Ooh, higher result, better. Which, not necessarily, not not incorrect necessarily, just you have there's more to it than bigger number, better. Um, focusing on your Lua and changing things around because an optimal Lua that doesn't take off take you out of evasion gear so you die things like that that you don't account for is important having toggles to account for different situations different dt sets not just one dt like if you're a new player or newer and you're fresh 99 and you only have one dt set that's fine that's a starting point though that's not optimal you have to go past one set you don't have one tp set (laughs) you don't have one dt set so you don't have to have aftermath three detection to change like your cape from a double attack to a store TP cape and, and your, you know, stuff like that in your DT set. Like I, I went to the point of having that my TP and not my DT. And then I have a AM three detection for Tazona in my DT set. So it's Tazona DT AM three versus Tazona AM three and their overlarking rules. So there's a lot, there's a lot of things going on there. You don't have to go that deep. No, you don't, but just having more than one DT set, I think is a requirement in my mind for taking things seriously. And if you just want to have fun, you don't have to, but realize you, you know, it's certain things. Cause I find Fox, do you agree when I ask this question, if I ever finish talking that <laughs> people often just want to play the game and have fun. So they only make like one DT set or like a general kind of thing and don't optimize. And then when they want to come to the hardest content, like Emboa's V15, and they haven't put the effort into it that it requires to, at this point in the game, about future gear creep to attend that event, that they get upset and they really need to fucking accept that they didn't put the effort in required. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what I what I want people to take away from this isn't necessarily like any benchmark that we have necessarily set, you know, as an idea of how to optimize, but just take if you're going to take anything away from this, just just know that optimization is an ongoing process that you are the determinant of. You are going to decide how far you're going to take it, and you're going to decide basically how successful you're going to be with, with doing it. Um, it is not just copy-pasting other people's ideas. Um, those ideas are out there so that you can learn and understand why they exist. Um, but if you simply just copy paste other people's ideas, you end up with situations where someone can tell you your true flight will do cap damage <laughs> and you'll shoot Baylon B and get very sad. And uh, that's just a simple fact of the matter for, for this game. Like you will, you will get as much out of it as you put in. Um, 
I'm sure Carrot puts in a lot of time playing the game, she so does. that wasn't a dig at her or anything. Oh, no, no, I, I, um, all fine. I'm saying, well, no, but what I'm saying is, is this is the approach a lot of people take to it. it and is. if that's the limit of where you want to, you know, take your, your optimization, then that's what you'll get out of it. As long as you're happy with that at the end of the day, it's your subscription, right? And but, yes, um, because the difference between it, it won't be it's ongoing. It won't be evident. Well, yeah, it won't be evident until you fight something you're having trouble with, like in Bose, because that's the theme of the episode. It's a secret in Bose yeah. episode. Secret in Bose. Um, it's not. It's you know the difference between optimizing your set past what a guide might tell you, depending on how update that how up to date that guide is, or how well the set was made in general, or how thoughtful it was made. Following those sets someone else gave you, besides being a very good starting point as a way to play the job at a very high level, um, but not as deep as possible, it's a great starting point to learn and try to improve on or jump through or whatever. But the difference you get between that and and just taking the sets and between going deep and just taking those sets someone else puts out, like the Dragoon ones or something, uh, not necessarily the biggest difference, but it can be the difference between winning and losing. and yeah, I mean, that's the reason these groups are successful, like Carrot's group, is because people put out sets for jobs like, I don't know, Thief or... What's, what's a job guy that I haven't done that people look at? Like Monk? Is there, I don't know, is there like a... Yeah. Uh, well, I, Monk's kind of a simple concept. I, well, um, you can look at those and I be successful. Say, I would say the, the samurai-focused guides and discussions are actually very, very honed. Okay, so you can. Follow it's simple, that. like Monk. I mean, they have a lot of similar gear sets and stuff. And well, that's discussion because uh, people just try to right. follow the sets. The discussion is equally as valuable, but or it, more it, valuable. Like, but I wanted to focus on that. It's honed, though. Like, there's a lot of people who have contributed to a greater understanding of why it seems as simple as it is. And like I said earlier in this episode, a simple answer is generally going to be the best answer most of the time. Because you generally can't follow the complexities of situation as appropriately yep. as you would like to optimize. Like you may, yep. you may just hold TP, and white damage would matter more than the more you hold TP. So stuff happens. Yeah, yeah. But other than that, man, I don't really have anything else for optimization. I'm just yeah, I don't think so. In the process. That's all. Yeah, I mean, I think too that, long. Didn't listen. Op- ongoing process. I do hope that someone who listens because i'm sure we only have a few listeners maybe like i don't know 50 i don't know how many people listen to the podcast it, there's more views than that but i don't know how many are true people otherwise i would have to believe we have a hundred plus people on spotify listening to it. It something ra- like random so maybe there's a hundred people total on the whole game of thousands of final fantasy players listening to us which is cool hi you hundred people i have to look at it maybe it's 120 something maybe it's 150 because some episodes now are peaking past 200 so i don't know how many people are regular how many people just watch into one episode so maybe there's 250 people at best listening to us. So maybe hopefully one of those 250 people, and unless YouTube has different people, I don't know. There's a lot of well, there's a lot of complexities <laughs> here in optimizing my number. I'm trying to throw out sometimes a simple number. Of spicy. What about our what about our bots that boost our views? Oh, views because you know this is a financial situation, right? <laughs> Hold on, let me partner with uh, what's his name on Etsy, Drac or whatever the hell is <laughs> on Etsy, so I'm gonna kick back from encouraging people to go buy stuff on Etsy they wanted to get that they didn't need to give me a kickback for to go buy. Right. Yeah, yeah it's good stuff. Nonetheless, that's 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 the community needs. <laughs> so, nonetheless, I do hope one of those 250 people goes and tells King Galka because it'll be hilarious. Yeah, I don't care. I shamed him in the past. Ah, uh, well, just... I don't need to... He's a to nice guy. Ah, uh, 
As far as I know, in my limited experience, he's a nice guy. I've had a bad experience. Like, he just doesn't seem like a genuine person. And I ran into a situation where I trusted him with information, and he fucked it over. So I will forever have a... uh, Well, yeah. A bad view of that dude. I think uh, socially, he's a nice guy. Like, he would help an old lady cross the street. But in terms of what you said, yes, I definitely... There is a reason he took over for Asriel Shell. So, anyway, we're getting into politics, people understand. Yeah, especially really not on a server server. Yeah, fucking Azurans. Yeah, it's the worst place on earth. <laughs> Nonetheless, for the last time, I'll say that. Hopefully, ever again. Uh, yeah, I don't think. I mean, that's it. If I can't think of anything at this point, that's that's the episode. Are we winding down appropriately? Like, does it seem like we're just dropping the ending on you, or no? I, I think. Uh, <laughs> you know, I just remember that feedback that one time. Yeah, though, it's like, yeah, yeah. That was your episode. That was the, just same ends. the episode was done with you before you were done with the episode. Yeah, don't yawn, man. All right. So, um, please. Yeah, so, I guess give us an email. Yeah, please email us at wtfinfonadeal at gmail.com. And otherwise, fuck you. You don't post on BG forums, so screw you. Um, yeah, our Discord. We. Our Discord is awesome. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I, I can't speak highly enough about it. The fact that I was able to read mid-episode about the episode from... That was Ozale. He's newer to the Discord. I haven't really seen... I've never seen him in here. Yeah. I oh, mean... Uli. Uli. I may yeah, not he's, have noticed. He's newer. He's, he's like maybe a week or two he joined. I don't know. Something recent within the last time. He hasn't talked yeah. too much, but the fact he just contributed there and then Martell followed it up with information while we were doing the episode, I, our Discord is is a fucking special place. So yeah, definitely. Yep. Join that. We got a lot of, I won't, I won't say they're like moderating it, but we have a lot of uh, good podcast guests that just lurk on here and they provide a lot of good feedback uh, to a lot of questions that get asked. Mm-hmm. They do a great job of that. And we don't ask them to do that either. That's just something that they do, which I think is really cool. So, I mean, uh, thanks to Eric's and Martell's specifically uh, funk chimes in sometimes. And, I haven't seen Yatner on in a long time, but he has uh, done that also. He's he's on in the Discord, but he hasn't talked much. And same with uh, Alvino. Alvino hasn't talked too much since the I, ever since the Puppet Master thing. Because once again, the last time he talked again was <laughs> freaking out about Puppet Master after the third second freakout. That was the third freakout. But there, we had I was saying something about the fact we haven't heard from him in a while, and then somehow Puppet Master came up, and after not talking to him for like months. He freaked out about Puppet Master again, like angrily about the tanking thing. So maybe he's as passionate for Puppet Master as I am for Ninja. Yeah, in the opposite way of same zeal, <laughs> less effect. Um, uh, what is the psychological phenomenon where I mean, not just circular reasoning, but uh, preconceived bias? Is that it? I think so. We're, uh, yeah, we were talking about Puppet Master, like well, frequency he, bias for Puppet Master. Yeah, what it, they has to, it has to conform to how he thinks about it, otherwise he can't handle yes, um, yeah, the result being about. different from how he expects it to be and how he it needs to be in his mind to be acceptable or to justify the things he's done with his job, to validate his choices kind of thing. It falls apart otherwise, his, his cognitive dissonance kind of thing. I'm not a, I don't know psychology, I've never taken it, I don't read much of anything about it, but that's just my my observation. I like Alvino as a guy. He's great. I want him to come back to us and forget the puppet master thing. Honestly, like as much as I, I stick to like the Holy Trinity, when it comes to builds and games, like the whole healer DD tank thing, um, that's typically what that is. Uh, by the way, if you've never heard that, that description I had before, before you brought up in the past, 
Yeah, um, but basically, I'm I'm usually someone who supports that as a, a keystone in how to build like balance in games. It's actually pretty nice to have party setups like that. But I've actually embraced quite a bit of just throwing that by the wayside recently. So I think people need to stop getting as hung up on roles as they have been, and more so just how the puzzle pieces actually fit the content they're in. You can like stop stop caring about whether or not you're a tank. It doesn't matter how it's defined. Like, can, do you do you do what you need to do? You can optimize a job so that it performs in a role that it's not supposed to perform yeah. in because it's optimized enough and gear creeped enough to do something that it's supposed to not really do. But it still doesn't make it that role. That's I mean, there's a difference between being able to do something and being that role. And just it may not change the things at the end of the day. It may not make a strategy not viable or not be optimal or whatever to have you. But um, it's still there's a difference between the two. So yeah, not that it's not an important difference. It's just you know somewhat semantical. But it any, really does boil down to semantics, and that's why I don't like to talk about it much anymore. It, yes, at any rate, as Eric said, hopefully we have an episode that doesn't blow up in our face this time. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe the last one will not. It should not. It was more mild. And this one absolutely will, I'm sure. If nothing else, we're going to tell Felgar, I'm sure. Or I will. Uh, yes, but what I wanted to get to there when I mentioned these people like Yatnar and Alvino. Alvino has not been a guest, but I need to make a post. We need to open up our guest list here and find a guest to come on. Maybe Bippin could do Sam. I don't know. We haven't talked to Bippin. Uh, but want to find some guests. Not that like they couldn't be found if I just said who wants to come, you know. But we don't want to do that. We're Fox, especially, is very selective. So it's really sad that Hayden would never come on to talk about Sam. Oh, he's so good because he he has such a down to earth approach to everything. But he's he's super quiet. So having him on a talk yeah. show would be like we would have talked for two minutes. And he would have said like, if that's what you think, and that would have been think, it. Yeah. You know, or he'd probably throw some sort of pun in there. Yeah, too. it would it would have been. It wouldn't have been that's a he doesn't talk like that, so it's just I don't know. It was something basic I could have. He's a great Sam that I have a lot of history with, and he would actually be a real beneficial for an episode. But oh, get him on. like, like from experience, but I don't know if he would necessarily even want to. Like, he likes to stay out of problems or potential yeah. problems. He likes to stay out of problems, he doesn't want to come here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, why does he want to get mixed up in spice? And and I, I respect that. Like he he just likes to stay out of shit. And he, like he he just wants to play the game and call it. I bring a fun level of chaos to things. Anyway, so that's the getting guests on. Otherwise, the yeah. Discord's mentioned. I don't think there's anything else. I think that's it. What do you have? Anything else? Yeah, I think we're good. Yep. All right. So later, guys. Oh oh oh! oh I was gonna set you oh. up to hold on. Well, let's do that take oh, okay. two. Okay. Take two. Okay. So, with no further ado. Later, guys. <laughs>